0: give me a lift. It's too hot to be walking. People die out of here, you know. Ah, come on, you're not still upset over that little love tap, are you? Come on, lad, come on, get in. Say, what happened to your hand? Accident, Accident. Oh, you gotta be more careful, I know. I guess we've never been introduced proper. Jake McKenna, Bobby Cooper. Oh, Bobby Cooper, huh? What brings you to Superior, Bobby? Car over here? Darryl taking good care of you, is he? Darryl's dumb as a sack of hammers. (laughs) Yeah, he sure is a character. Where you headed? California. Oh, California. You live there? Now I got work. The you old know, man with a boat wants me to sail it for him. Oh, you a sailor man, huh? <laughs> oh, well, that'd be the life, huh? Just get on a boat and sail away. You know, a man could pretty well disappear like that. Like, McKenna, about your wife. If I'd known she was married, i mean... married, nah. Wouldn't have made a difference to you, now, would it? Not a whip. You know why? Because you're a man without scruples. Hey, man. Oh, I could spell it on you. Hey. Yeah, that's the sweat of a man that hasn't an honest bone in his body. (laughs) Now don't be offended, lad. A man who's got no ethics is a free man. Do as he pleases. I envy you that. Besides, a woman with her looks and a man my age—I mean, what was I to expect? Women can't live with him, can't live without him. Can't live with him, can't shoot him. Can't shoot him. I bet you she just had your heart as a rock, just wiggling her ass in your face. I bet you just wanted to pull her pants down and hog her out, and then I'd come busting in like a wild bear. Oh, well, I can tell you got a temper on you. I bet you just wanted to. Well, oh, I bet you just wanted neck. to stop her, neck. Huh? You know? <laughs> I bet you just wanted to kill her. <laughs> would you? Would I, would I what? Would you kill her? <laughs> Why would I kill her? Because I, I'm just sick and tired of goddamn little games. Because you could do it, goddamn it. You could do it just away in that boat. no one ever see you again. You listen, boy, I got a $50,000 life insurance policy, and I would be more than happy to get the man who does not a good chunk of it. Ken, yeah, no, I've done some things. I'm out of murder. Oh. Oh, yeah, well, how do you know if you never tried, huh? It's a joke. You're trying to rattle me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, it's nothing but a joke. That's all. Enjoy your stay live. Scott, if your life had a face, I would
1: punch
2: it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something.
0: Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius?
3: Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you
0: cheap dime store hood. Andy! You goody.
4: Hello everyone and welcome to one final trashy installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 328, U-Turn. Man, it's taken seven and a half years, but I am really getting tired of how long our podcast name is doing
5: that intro. I'm surprised it took you that long. Now, when you pitched the name, I was like,
4: "Yeah, that's perfect. That's great." You know, <laughs> because it's stupid.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's fitting for us.
4: Well, it's just really hitting me hard today. Yeah. I don't know that it hasn't annoyed me before. Okay, it's just really. I feel like you actually maybe have said it on the show before. Maybe. I wish we would. I know made you the have
5: something else.
4: <laughs> All right. I yes. Like it, one last, final, epic installment yes. of one trashy summer. This is a good closer. Yeah, it's a little bit more mainstream, but very underseen considered one of the down notes in Oliver Stone's career. Certainly not considered his worst movie. I think most of the more recent ones are. This was definitely
5: of a specific era for him stylistically, though.
4: Yeah, I think the quote that he said, and I don't know if I put this in here somewhere, but he was basically looking for a movie that wasn't going to be reviewed on the editorial section of the newspaper. He Hmm. was coming off of JFK, Natural Born Killers, Nixon these movies mm-hmm. weren't just reviewed by movie reviewers these were public discourse things in a way that movies would not be sure. now but he was going through it he was one of the lightning rods of the 90s really you know, it's
5: weird to think about we talked about it in the JFK episode Yeah. But him being like an it director just seems weird because I think of him as making these types of movies.
4: Well, most of the movies that he's made are nothing like this movie.
5: No, I know, but this and Natural Born Killers.
4: Natural Born Killers and Savages, he considers to be sort of like this weird, unofficial crime trilogy in his career. Mm -hmm. Savages coming almost 20 years after U Turn. But he did The Doors too, right? Well, yeah, but that's not a crime movie. No, I know. In terms of weird movies that. Well, most of his movies are weird. Yeah, okay.
5: That's that's where I started. The stylistic
4: thing of the channel-changing, acid trip nonsense, that really started with JFK, mostly. Mm -hmm. But it
5: seems more appealing in that movie. I don't know. It it doesn't seem as discordant.
4: I think he was trying to place that style into a different world. I guess how successful it is depends on how much you like the movie. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I don't know that he's stuck with that. I don't know that he was doing that kind of stuff in the World Trade Center movie. I'm thinking not. But I don't know. I didn't see a lot of his more recent stuff. I had zero interest in a lot of the things he's done. I did see Savages, which I thought was okay. okay. At best. It's not as good as U-Turn, and it's not as good as Natural Born Killers. It's
5: not really in the same world. One thing that's eye-opening to me now, this is another movie that I saw, I've talked about that era of just watching stuff on like HBO on demand all the time like that's how I caught a lot of random movies in like the whatever 2005 to 2008 era. Yeah. This was one of them. You know, I always put myself in the mind of the protagonist of the movie even if they were an anti-hero or whatever. You kind of look at that person in a different light like, "Oh, they're making the right choices. Like they're the person you're rooting for. He's a drifter, a criminal, so you think that he's cool." And watching it now, you're just like, Not really a cool guy, doesn't really... He seems like kind of a loser,
4: actually. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that the whole Bobby character is an act, and Mm. over the course of the two-hour runtime, you learn how small time and pathetic and how much of a loser he is. And
5: it's so clear to me now in a way that when I was... A late teenager, it, it just well. Wasn't. You can
4: always be fooled by a handsome guy, cool car, sunglasses, seems yeah. rich, seems confident, able
5: to pull like a Jennifer Lopez.
4: Sure, yeah. yeah. Anyway, before we talk about U-turn, let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, any other various places you're finding us. Please make sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's very important. Please do not forget to do that. And if you enjoy the show at all or have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach us via email, greatestpod at gmail.com, greatestpod at gmail.com. We would like to read your emails at the end of the show. And finally... Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Of course, you can reach out if you'd like a free sticker. Listener requests, making a big comeback next week, so we'll go through that whole spiel. If you have any questions about it, of course, email, greatestpod at gmail.com, but we'll talk about that next week. Anyway, let's get into U-Turn. 1997, a bomb. A movie that did not make any money, that most people did not see. It got pretty... Middling reviews, which we'll dig more into later, but I think it's a really cool movie. It's shockingly very divisive, because I think the people who have seen it all really love it or really hate it.
5: Yeah. Not really from a stylistic standpoint, but a lot of similarities to a- another movie we like, The
4: Hot Spot. Oh, yeah. Very similar. Really, Aesthetically very similar, and also just that neo-noir yeah. drifter wandering into town, getting involved in drama and sex. Hard to
5: tell. Whose side or what's motivating anybody at any given
4: time? U Turn was directed by Oliver Stone and written by John Ridley based on his 1997 novel called Stray Dogs. Stone acquired the rights before the novel was even published, although there was an uncredited adaptation by Stone and Richard Ratowski on the script because. Ridley actually did have his own script, too, in addition to the novel being published. But then they they did an uncredited adaptation on that pre-existing script. Hmm. Ridley, if you're not familiar, is an Oscar winner for Best Adapted Screenplay for 12 Years a Slave. Oh, wow.
5: I did not know that.
4: This movie has a really crazy pedigree. It's got a Best Director Oscar winner directing it. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: A Best Writer Oscar winner writing it. It has arguably the coolest and most well-known music composer, Ennio Morricone, doing I know. the score. When I saw that in the credits, I was stunned. It has one of the great cinematographers, Robert Richardson, yeah, yeah. who worked with Stone pretty consistently up until this movie. <laughs> After this, he was out. But he won Best Cinematographer at the Academy Awards, I believe, three times. We'll get into that more later as well. I don't know why this didn't work, but it seemed like it should have worked. Well, Lindsay
5: was just casually walking through a few <laughs> times while I was watching this, and she's kept coming How many famous people are in this? Everybody. I know.
4: The budget was 19 million, which is estimated, and the box office came in at 6.6 million. It was nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards, worst director for Stone and worst supporting actor for John Voight. U-Turn did not, quote-unquote, win either of these awards. Kevin Costner won for The Postman. Oh. And Dennis Rodman, won worst supporting actor for Double Team, which I believe was a movie with him and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, I have seen that. (laughs) (laughs) And just like Kinjate, U-Turn was featured in Siskel and Ebert's Worst of 1997, and I think Ebert particularly hated the film. But, as I was alluding to, U-Turn does have its fans, including us. Yeah. It does have a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, which technically makes it rotten, but you're one point off of fresh. Just on a personal note, when I was doing the research and compiling everything and looking at clips on YouTube, a lot of the comments were, this is the greatest film of all time, I love this movie, best ending ever. I'm being a little bit more generic than the comments were, but it was a lot of effusive praise from a lot of accounts. Not that that means a lot of people like it, but it means the people that do like it come out Mm. and support it and feel strongly about it. Because I think it is a cool movie. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons someone might be predisposed to not enjoy it is to not be on the same wavelength with it. I do think that it is a dark comedy. Mm -hmm. I think it's supposed to be funny. Sometimes that's hard to tell with these types of movies. Sort of like wild things. Yeah, But this one's probably even harder to tell because it's... More of a black hearted satirical kind yeah, of thing where it's just the filmmaking style feels so experimental. <laughs> yeah. A lot of shots of skylines yeah. and the uh, desert topography and coyotes and buzzards and roadkill.
5: Like someone's on Peyote, like yeah. making this movie.
4: Later, Oliver Stone said certain people really liked U turn more than you might think claimed it was the one they quote most liked of my films. It's certainly different, and its incest storyline was verboten to the average American viewer. Hmm, Here we go again. Let's just say you need a sense of humor for this one. My first time seeing it was probably in the summer of 98 or 99, and it's one of those magical nights. I think very recently, we got an email Hmm. asking us, Basically, when the magic started. Oh, yeah. In terms of being a a movie person, a cinephile person. And this isn't something that people experience the same way anymore because everybody is so used to streaming. But in the old days, you had cable. And my family wasn't super rich. We didn't really have like a lot of premium channels. But you'd have the premium weekends where they would give you a free three or four days of HBO, Starz, Showtime, Cinemax, whatever. I think nowadays with digital cable... They were doing that thing where you'd get all of it for free, basically, to try to lure you into buying it. Yeah. yeah. I haven't really had cable in a while. I'm a streaming person. Mm -hmm. What year was the World Cup, the Women's World Cup in the US? Was that 98 that summer, or was it it 99? uh, I think it might have been 99. I can't remember that time period clearly enough. Either way. Doesn't matter. say what year it was. Whatever summer that was, I can remember we had a free preview, and in those days, nudity was so hard to come by, you would latch on to this stuff if you were a fucking teenage boy like me and you'd (laughs) stay up all night for R-rated movies and just hope that it had that end symbol at the beginning for (laughs) nudity.
5: Then you're like, I can go to bed.
4: No, a lot of times if it didn't I would wait through it. Oh yeah. That's how fucking desperate we were back then. You people don't understand what it's like to grow up with a pornography machine in your pocket (laughs) called a cell phone. We honestly could not even see boobs regularly. Yeah. It was nuts back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, I was staying up. and You just have that magical run one night. Unexpectedly. I'm just mm-hmm. looking for boobs. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm watching The Big Lebowski and U-Turn back to back for the first time ever. Ever. Maybe it's the high of staying up at three in the morning and watching a somewhat naughty movie like this. But I fucking loved it. I was like, this movie is awesome. Is mm-hmm. this what all R-rated movies are like? <laughs> Because you have so many twists and turns in this thing. There's not a ton of violence or anything, but it's just, it feels very gnarly and, mm-hmm. but fun, which yeah. is something that was definitely lacking in Savage Streets. <laughs> which, <laughs> believe sure, me, which... we're still reconciling yeah. why we did that we to We needed ourselves. to get back to the fun. <laughs>
5: Even though there's definitely some darkness in this one, but it all feels kind of kitschy.
4: And this movie, I think, had a special place for me because I was seeing it, probably two years after it was released or whatever because by that point Jennifer Lopez was a way bigger star. Yeah. If I would have seen this in 1997 I would have appreciated her part in it a lot differently. Right. But coming to it in probably 99 she was a huge star by then and everyone else in the cast is pretty recognizable although I don't think I knew who Joaquin Phoenix was the first time I saw this movie. Oh no. I don't think five years later I knew who well, was. Well I knew who he was from Gladiator which was Three years later okay, or whatever, no, I, after the movie yeah, came out. I was
5: never really a, a gladiator guy, like, ever.
4: <laughs> well, I think I've only seen it once or twice, but I don't know. Yeah. I I just no, remembered him I mean,
5: from that. like In the sense that, I don't think I I've to this day I've seen it all the way through.
3: Okay.
4: Yeah. This is the first time in the history of the greatest moments in the history of forever where a listener has already previously reached out and told us that they didn't like this movie, mm. specifically, and not in relation to just us to doing it. it? <laughs> yeah, it was
5: very the bizarre. a movie that I don't like.
4: No, Christy, I hope yeah. you're still listening. She requested Overboard last oh, year. and Great I don't, listener request. I don't remember what movie we had done, but she had reached out and was talking about probably noirs or dark, twisty movies. And then she very specifically was saying that she did not like U-Turn. Yeah. I don't remember what her exact quote was. But I just found that very funny because at that point, even though this was a year ago... As you like
5: crossed it off the list for like next week at that point.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have told her that we probably would cover it one day because I actually do like it. Yeah. And I probably already had it in mind for One Trashy Summer. And so here we are. But I think that's cool. I hope that she's still listening because I actually I it, like though. it when we do have differences of opinions yeah. with the listeners.
5: Well, I will say that style for this movie and Natural Born Killers, was very off-putting to me at a younger age. It didn't make me hate the movies, but it was something that I was not really into.
4: Well, there's something about it, I think, that keeps you at arm's length. And for a movie like Natural Born Killers, I think that prevents me from loving that movie Mm -hmm. rather than just respecting it and liking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, it doesn't affect me as much with this movie, Mm -hmm. probably because of the character's Aren't as ridiculous. Sure. They're very ridiculous, but But in a more
5: still fall short.
4: Yeah, they're more of like scenery chewing ridiculous. Whereas in natural killers, they're almost they're not even human. (laughs) They're not relatable as human at a certain point. Yeah, I was connected with it, but my whole thing is, look, I've seen a lot of your letterboxes, I've seen your Twitter accounts. I know we don't always agree on this stuff. Oh yeah. So I think there's some room to have fun, even if you have seen U turn and don't like it. Or whatever the case may be, or any movie that we ever cover on this show Savage Streets, Kinjutai, things like that. In fact, you know, if you watch those movies and you think less of us as people and maybe don't want to listen to the show anymore.
5: Because we'd be willing to discuss those topics. Yeah, Come like on. what's wrong with these people? Yeah.
4: I think our listeners get it. Mm. I think they get what we are attracted to. We,
5: there's a spectrum, all right? And we like to cover all topics.
4: I think of U Turn. As a cult movie whose cult has not fully formed yet, U-Turn has yet to really have its moment, its moment of rediscovery, reevaluation, and I'm still confident that that moment will one day happen oh, because yeah. I think it's actually good enough to deserve it. all built
5: to, like, which will never
3: happen.
4: I think the joke is it yeah. obviously won't <laughs> because why would it at yeah. this point? You can't even stream it for free. I know. If you haven't seen U-Turn and would like to watch it, for the purposes of listening to this podcast, you will have to pay to rent it. No, I'm Which not giving away my out-of-print yeah. Twilight Time Blu-ray. Oh,
5: that's a Twilight Time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It just
4: doesn't have the clear case. Yeah. They did release some with the blues, I think. I do miss Twilight Time. They kind of sucked.
5: Yeah. They had some good stuff. Of
4: course no, they, they did. They were a home for certain movies that didn't quite fit the more genre-oriented labels, mm-hmm. but... They were really short on bonus features. Well, that's true. They were very expensive for not having any bonus features. They were like $30, but whatever. Yep. They're gone now, basically. But yeah, I had to rent this, which sucked. This would be one I would honestly buy on DVD. Yeah. I think it's that good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I truly think it deserves that rediscovery and reevaluation. It has a ridiculous cast with fun... As I already described, scenery-chewing performances, larger-than-life performances, lurid, taboo plot points, and even more nihilistic wild things. It's like combining the sex of basic instinct with the Kafka-esque frustration of after-hours.
5: Yeah, I was getting a very after-hours vibe. Oh, for sure. In a way that, for years, that is not a movie I would have thought of when watching this, just because... It was a movie I was less familiar with.
4: And in that same vein, Three O'Clock High, any of those Kafka-type storylines where you have a man in this situation, he just can't get out of it. And simple, frustrating things keep happening. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing supernatural. They just all pile up Mm -hmm. and keep happening. This was the last collaboration between Stone and Robert Richardson, which I already mentioned. The movies he won Oscars for were Hugo the Aviator, and JFK. He also now works a lot with Tarantino in addition to Scorsese. So with a cast that includes Sean Penn, Jennifer Lopez, Nick Nolte, Powers Booth, Billy Bob Thornton, Joaquin Phoenix, Claire Danes, Julie Haggerty, John Voigt, Brent Briscoe, Lori Metcalf, and even Liv Tyler, who does oh, not say right. anything. Yeah. That's almost jarring when she's in it. And she was famous enough that even in '97, the reviews I was reading from '97 were kind of confused yeah, as yeah. to what that even was. They're like, "Why is Liv Tyler in this movie but doesn't say anything?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She probably was just in town. You want to come be in a scene with yeah, the lines because I think I they filmed this in Arizona. Okay. Superior, believe it or not, is a real town, and oh, I'm it wondering is. Okay.
5: what people I was think. Thinking it was going to be a fictional town. <laughs> no, it's a real place.
4: Okay. <laughs> I don't know that that's what it is. I don't know if yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. So in addition to all of those people, multiple Oscar winners and nominees, plus a director and writer who both won Oscars, one of the greatest cinematographers, one of the greatest film composers, what happened? Why didn't U-turn work? At least in the way that they would have won it in terms of finances and legacy, because it, it's not just that this movie didn't make money, it's that it doesn't even really rate Yeah, when people talk about... The great Oliver Stone films, nobody's mentioning U-Turn, even though they should, in my opinion. It definitely feels just like a forgotten moment in film history. Yeah, I wonder if part of that is J-Lo trying to bury it because of the nudity. I'm going to read a little segment from Julie Kergo's essay, which is included in that very Twilight Time Blu-ray release, but I thought it really captured what needs to be said about U-Turn. And Dread, she writes, it must be noted is what U-Turn is all about. Yes, it's grimly funny, and indeed its characters, as noted by many critics, are more or less what we'd like to think of as subhuman, but in the end, they're human enough in their humor, in their cheesy vulgarity, and in the way they represent the more regrettable aspects of our so-called moral character. There were those who criticized Stone, fresh from the very serious and for the most part critically lauded run Of JFK in 1991, Heaven and Earth 1993, as she notes, another beautiful Twilight Time Blu-ray release. (laughs) Natural Born Killers in 1994 and Nixon in 1995 for taking on a project perceived as relatively slight and, quote, unimportant. But one could certainly argue that, on its own terms, U-Turn is at least as serious as its predecessors and in its portrayal of the uglier aspects of human nature, just as important. Like most of Oliver Stone's work, U-Turn has a very unique look. It was filmed entirely on reversal stock, 5239, to give it an extra harsh look to the hostile environment in which it's set. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. U-Turn, a movie that is right up our alley. We love these <laughs> neo-noirs. Somehow like incest always in the mix. Incest, sex. Yeah. Bad people. Right. Bad decisions. Greed. Lust. Money. Stealing people's money. Femme fatales. Yeah. You wanna talk about a femme fatale? <laughs>
5: <laughs> My God. Yeah, hard to find a comparable out there, really.
4: Good grief. And this was right at that launching point, and even though this movie was a bomb, it didn't really impact J Lo at all. No. She was on the fast track. The opening credits sequence tells us so much about that hostile environment, too. Vultures picking apart bloody roadkill, forlorn crosses alongside of the desert highway. Yeah, I gotta tell you, it doesn't seem like you're close to a town. Makeshift memorials to travelers killed in accidents, the barren and beautiful desert geography, trains and trucks and dust. We can glean... A fair amount of information about our protagonist, too. It's always weird
5: watching this shit, because I always kind of forget that there's this chunk of America that's like the desert. (laughs) (laughs) I've spent a lot of time in different parts of the U.S., but never the desert,
4: and don't plan to, really. Bobby Cooper, played by Sean Penn. Handsome, but clearly trying too hard. Sweaty and sketchy. Noticeably, his hand is bandaged, and there's some red peeking through, Mm -hmm. perpetually on edge, cannot settle on a radio station. Kind of
5: has that has-been-driving-all-night type vibe. Oh, yeah. A little
4: coked out. Yeah. Something's going on. His inability to stop on a radio station and his inability to keep still is reminiscent of Oliver Stone's style in the film. Lots of jutted, jagged, crisscrossing cuts to different things, different moments out of time. We're seeing Billy Bob Thornton approaching the camera, his mouth not moving, but he's still in conversation in a different position with Bobby later. Things like that where you're jumping around with the edit and different things are juxtaposed together and cut in. and It's a real live wire. It's a cinematic live wire.
3: <laughs> Matt
4: just... Horrified by what I'm saying right now. Yeah, cinematic live wire. Sean Penn had originally turned down his role due to schedule conflicts, and Bill Paxton replaced him. Oh, wow. About a week before filming, Paxton backed out. Fortunately, Penn had become available. A simple plan reunion, almost. Well, Brent Briscoe's in the movie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I was saying it still kind of is, I guess, because of Billy Bob. Yeah. I don't think the movie would be as good... With Paxton, although I guess maybe that's fascinating to try to imagine what he would be like in this role, he doesn't read the same way. No. Sean penns he's a little bit more comparable to how you were describing Matt Dillon when we were doing our Wild Things recast. He's sort of that same kind of guy. Robert Downey Jr.'s got it a little bit, too, where they're charming, but there's a certain level of sleaze. I guess with each actor, it's a little different. But I just don't know if you see that with Paxton. No. But maybe that makes it more interesting. I think he plays the character a lot differently. I think so. He probably plays it where he's completely hoodwinked by Grace, and he's completely desperate and panicked by what's going on with the mob and his Mm -hmm. fingers and the whole deal. He's really wearing that on his face the whole time. I could just see it being a a different vibe altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Stone also had evidently offered the leading role to Tom Cruise, who he worked with in Born on the Fourth of July, but of course Cruise turned it down. He's like, I can't be a part of the smut. Well, he was probably already working on Eyes Wide Shut for yeah. six years. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to imagine Paxton or Cruise in the role of Bobby is interesting enough, but it's actually more fascinating to imagine their careers if they had accepted it. For Paxton, little to no change, except maybe his range is known for being a little wider.
5: You think more people would have gone on to talk about this movie if
4: Cruz had been in it? This movie would not have made $6.6 6 with Cruz in yeah. it, even if it was exactly the same. Right. But it would maybe be more notorious of a bomb if people hated it. Well, that's true. If people were like, what the fuck is this, but Tom Cruise is in it, yeah. then it's not- fading away like u turned did. <laughs> right.
5: Maybe it's like a Scarface thing. where It
4: know, becomes legendary? Yeah. I could see Cruz giving an unbelievable performance if he really wanted to. Oh, yeah.
5: Bringing some of that vanilla sky to it.
4: A little bit of that maybe crossed with Magnolia, yeah. where the fake bravado, and then... That's about it. <laughs> yeah, just th-
5: those two things.
4: I was going to make some weird joke, but I couldn't even think of a random performance because... Even though I do like Tom Cruise, they're all kind of the same. I'm like, what movie could I pick that would be weird? (laughs) And I'm like racking my brain. Penn and Stone did not get along during filming and clashed constantly, though apparently they are friends now. Essentially, Bobby is a small-time drifter who thinks he's hot shit, and over the course of the film, it will become clearer and clearer that he's not. U-Turn is about greed and lust and -and out-and-out stupidity. (laughs) Yeah a black comedy examining the grimier side of human nature but it's also about boredom not just any boredom though a special boredom the kind that overtakes your whole brain
3: mm-hmm.
4: when your whole life is boredom yeah it's boredom that even you and I can't really understand it's that's saying something beyond small town yeah. boredom it's being born bored and living your whole life bored and what that leads to. <laughs> Seriously, it's you, a rough existence.
5: I got to tell you, sometimes on like a Sunday for like two hours, I'm bored and it's, <laughs> it's about to be a meltdown.
4: I will say that I have eliminated boredom from my life. I'm way too busy to be Good. bored now. Yeah. And it's mostly because of this
3: podcast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> U-Turn is a very nihilistic interpretation of humanity left to its own devices for too long with nothing to occupy its time. Bobby's gotten himself into some bad debt with some violent gangsters and he's on the move headed out into the desert when his 1964 and a half Ford Mustang convertible breaks down just outside of a little town called Superior, Arizona. Since it was introduced four months before the normal start of the 1965 production year and manufactured alongside 1964 Ford Falcons and 1964 Mercury Comets. The earliest Mustangs are widely referred to as the 1964.5 model by enthusiasts. Nevertheless, all 1964.5 cars were given 1965 US standard VINs at the time of production, and with limited exception to the earliest of promotional materials, were marketed by Ford as 1965 models. So that's a long way of telling you that Bobby is a dork. The town of Superior, Arizona does exist and has also been the filming location for The Prophecy oh, in 1995, wow. starring Christopher Walken. Yeah, I've seen it. He's having a moment, Superior. Yeah, really. <laughs> As his broken down car is limping to a fork in the road, there is a close up on the various road signs which tell us to go to Superior, but the bottom one says Apache Leap. It definitely doesn't look like it heads to a town. No. But, of course, a little bit of foreshadowing with the Apache Leap. And then it stops on the sign that says, U-turn, okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just a stupid joke. Yeah, Basically, his life would be so much better if he just made a U-turn right now. Yeah, yeah. Don't go in there. (laughs) His first stop is at the local auto body gas station place, Harlan's Garage. Based on showing up
5: here... I get a completely different vibe of what the town actually is. I'm yeah. expecting like nothing in this town, but there's actually kind of like a nice long downtown strip. But when I first see this <laughs> a strip, yeah, there's like a
4: strip. of None of those buildings look like they've been open <laughs> since 1958. <laughs> it's cute.
5: It's a quaint town,
4: but there's more. To I it think th- there's a main street. Whereas Harlan's garage is not on yeah. main street. Right. So it's a little confusing. It's called Harlan's garage. Billy Bob Thornton plays Daryl, the -hmm. mechanic. Harlan is dead. He bought the garage, but didn't change the name. Real difficult guy to look at. For sure. His belly's sticking out. His teeth are disgusting. Billy Bob Thornton Covered
5: in grease. Almost unrecognizable, except his voice is so friggin' recognizable.
4: It's an odd look. Yeah. He was definitely being typecast Uh during this time period. Very recently on the show... We did his own movie that he wrote, Sling Blade, but Mm -hmm. before that we did a simple plan and he was sort of playing a take on that same type of character as well. But the infuriating thing about Daryl, at least until he dabbles in theft and some other bullshit, is that he's mostly right and that's why he's so infuriating. Bobby is condescending. He is an asshole, but he is the one that has a broken car right? and then expects to be able to just pay what he wants to pay and when he wants to pay. And yes, Daryl is this frustrating type of Kafka character Mm -hmm. who's standing at the door guarding from moving on to the next step. But nothing that he ever says or does until, like I said, at the end when it's sort of insinuated that he's stolen the gun out of the car. Yeah, He doesn't really do anything wrong, or even out of the ordinary. To add to that frustrated
5: feel that Bobby's experiencing, but then it kind of becomes that way for the
4: audience. You just
5: want to be able to move on and move past this, and you can't.
4: Right. There's a certain thing in movies sometimes where the momentum of the movie makes you think that something is supposed to happen, and then it never happens. Mm -hmm. There's a million examples of movies that dabble the whole time in that, like The Hangover. Yeah. Where you might not understand that The Wild and Crazy Night is not the movie. Right. And then you get the pictures at the end, or 200 Cigarettes is kind of yeah. the same way, but then you have these movies like After Hours, or or this, or 3 O'Clock High, where something is supposed to be happening and it keeps getting blocked. Right. But if it's done a certain way, like in U-Turn, it does feel like you're in the shoes of the main character, More so even than the other movies. Although I think the first time I watched After Hours, it kind of felt like that too. Mm -hmm. Where you keep thinking you're supposed to get back to Rosanna Arquette. (laughs) And then you just, (laughs) that's just not happening. That's not the movie. (laughs) To mix all of them together.
1: Who
6: cut off my music? You cut my music off. Are you Harlan? No, Daryl. Harlan around? I doubt it. He's dead. Do you own this place? Yeah. So why do you call it Harlan? Because Harlan used to own it.
0: Could you take a look at my car? I think the radiator hose is busted. All right.
6: I think it's going to be another hot one today. Of course, and again, it might not be. You can't ever tell around right here. When it's hot, I don't even like to get out of bed. Of course, when it's cold, I don't either. So look, Harlan, and I, I got places. to daryl.
0: Daryl, whatever. I mean, you just take a look at the radiator hose. I think it's busted.
6: What's well, your radiator hose? It's busted. I know that. What did I just tell you? Well, Chief, if you know so sit down much, why didn't you just fix it yourself, Hell. Hey, If I could do that, you think I'd be standing around here wasting my time? Now, can you fix it, or do I have to go someplace else? Someplace else? Bud, someplace else is 50 miles from here. That old station that is downtown, that thing closed. It must have been, God, three years ago or something like that. Okay, Tell them, I'm stuck. You happy? Or can you fix it or not? Well, yeah, I can fix it. Great, great. All right, it. Look through the yard here, see if I can't find a hose like that one. It's gonna take a little time. How much time? I don't know, you know, time. What size is it now? About 20 after 10.
0: Arizona. I
6: mean, 10's gotta be 90 already. It's 92. What happened to your hand, anyhow? Accident. Accident. You gotta be more careful, bud. See, hands is important. Let me show you something. I don't know if you can still see it, but when I was a kid, that's real interesting
0: to me. But is there someplace in this dust bowl I can get something to drink?
6: Well, there's a diner down there. It ain't much, yeah. Yeah. A simple folk like it, you know. I'll be be back in a couple hours. Just be real careful
0: there, all right? Hey! Just a car. No, it's not just a car, it's a 64 and a half Mustang convertible. It's a difference between you and me. It's why you're living
4: here and I'm just passing through. So he's got to wait for Daryl to fix the car. He has a blown radiator hose. He ends up being stranded in town. The way that Daryl messes with Bobby, though, in his own subtle way, because you have all of this attitude from Bobby versus no fucks to give from mm-hmm. Daryl, because why would he? And if you pay attention to what Daryl says, he's... I guess the word I'm thinking of is aware. He's aware of Bobby, and he's aware of what Bobby thinks of him, and he's aware of how Bobby's treating him, but Bobby's not aware that Daryl is aware. Right. Because if you listen to what Daryl says, he says things like, us simple folk like it. You know, that kind of (laughs) thing. You know, he's just making little comments. Everyone in the movie will kind of take turns and take joy from fucking with Bobby, but for different reasons. They're not all the same reasons, but everyone has something, some reason, and then they fuck with him. They
5: all kind of immediately know that Bobby would look at them all and consider them dumb hicks. Yes. Like, they all know that immediately, but they also all know that
4: he's not as smart and tough and cool as he's playing. Yeah, and I would add one more thing. They also all know that they are dumb hicks.
3: Yeah, I know.
4: They're all very self-aware. It's not like they're in denial about who they are, but they're very self-aware Superior is portrayed as a town out of time. Leftovers from the 80s, if you're being generous, but mostly the 70s, 60s, 50s, maybe even earlier than that. Desolate, slow, very reminiscent of the town in the last picture show. Mm. Moved up a few decades, but still sort of the same place. Bobby crosses paths with a blind homeless Native American man who, at this point in the film, says he lost his eyes in the Vietnam, played by John Voigt mm-hmm. in a truly outrageous casting choice. I know. But I like Stone's original idea, even though racially it's still not great in any way, shape, or form, but it's funnier. Though a long shot, Oliver Stone attempted to cast Marlon Brando as the blind man. Wow. The eccentric Navajo character, but John Voigt, who was considered much more realistic, was eventually cast. Look, what can we say about this character? This movie should be much shorter than it is, and the first thing you would cut is this part. Definitely. The scenes, I think there's probably three or four of them with John Voigt, are bizarre. He's supposed to provide this mystic, cosmic philosophy that goes along with the movie. There is a little bit of a through line with a lot of the Native American stuff. And Oliver Stone clearly has thoughts on that, even though he didn't really do the racially sensitive thing and actually cast Native Americans. (laughs) But when you think about The Doors, Uh it all kind of ties in with this. He definitely had a subtext going on. But the movie at no point ever feels like it's about that stuff. But there's definitely some commentary on... American imperialism, colonialism, that kind of a thing, taking over, taking the land from Native Americans and their place in our society, that kind of a thing, and the way they're treated in the film, and a lot of the stuff with Jennifer Lopez's character in particular. That's all there and important, but he kind of undercuts that by casting John Voight as the Native American character in town. Now, it
5: does seem like this would be a tough town to be a homeless person.
4: Or an easy town, I think it would probably be easy okay. to be the only homeless guy in town because there's I not feel a lot like
5: competition. That's
4: true. Number one, you're not going to worry about being cold, although it does get cold in the desert at yeah. night. But he seems pretty bundled up, and he's I, got that I'm dog. Just thinking not a lot of like disposable income being. <laughs> oh, donated. you mean in terms of handouts? Yeah. No, but food probably. Okay, yeah. I'm sure there's a few ladies in yeah. town that make sure he's fed and that's stuff. Right. Yeah, that's why I think it would be better. That's true. I think in a cold yeah. city.
5: I didn't think about it like that.
4: You might get the change more often in the big city, but you don't have anyone looking out for you in particular. They don't know you by name, probably. Or if they do, it's just because they pass you, but they actually live out in the suburbs. Right. When I wrote down that the Native American claims that he lost his eyes in the Vietnam, I did put in parentheses, let it go, Oliver. (laughs) I felt like he had to somehow incorporate Vietnam into this. Every movie. (laughs) I took note of some places in town. Video World. I really wanted to see inside Video World. What's that selection like? (laughs) There's a movie theater, I believe. Yeah. Maybe a Bronson movie or an Eastwood movie was playing. I can't remember which, but I I feel like I remember that was one of the movie posters or something. It might have been Eastwood. I can't remember. As Bobby is trapped in another insane conversation, this time with the old blind man, he spots the devil In a red dress. Oh, boy. Our femme fatale in this neo-noir crime thriller, Grace McKenna, played by Jennifer Lopez. She's trying to carry some big, clumsy boxes to her car, so it's the perfect opening for Bobby to swoop in to try to help her. (laughs) It's an unbelievable performance from Jennifer Lopez. Between this and Out of Sight, which we also did this year, And we talked about this exact same thing, so I'll keep it brief. But you would have expected cooler shit from J-Lo over the next 20 years. I know It took a long time for there to be quality after these couple of movies in the 90s. Her movie career was
5: really in a weird place at a certain point in the early 2000s. I
4: feel like it still kind of is. Yeah. But she is smart enough to do a comeback movie every now and then that gets critical acclaim like Hustlers. And then she can do her stupid rom-coms or whatever that no one cares about. (laughs) the role of grace was originally intended for sharon stone but salary negotiations fell through and she was replaced by lopez now you can totally
5: see sharon stone being in this movie the native american playing a half native american would have been rough but
4: that's exactly what i wrote do they still do the native american angle with stone in the movie or do you just eliminate that entirely and if you do what are you left with because even though I would never say that the Native American aspect is the main thing, mm-hmm. it never is the main thing. But it adds so much to it, I think. Yeah. Because that dynamic between Jake and Grace's mother mm-hmm. is so important to like For how sure. everything else works. Right. And it makes you care about these shitty people. Because none of the people in this movie are good. They're all horrible. Okay. So that gives you some sort of investment in what's happening, because if you don't have that, then you think Grace is just an evil witch at that point. You're like, what the fuck is her problem? Right. I guess they could have still done the incest thing, but (laughs) the people who are listening to this who haven't seen this movie are like, what is this? (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, we saved the best for last this time. This movie, again, like so many of the other movies we did this month, caught me by surprise. Not because I think it's too trashy. This is definitely a movie we should always talk about. Oh, yeah. But I was thinking this will be a real quick episode, nice and easy, a couple of funny things to point out, and then I'm starting to write down the plot, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of plot. (laughs) I know, and we're nowhere near getting through it (laughs) at this point. (laughs) I don't care. However long it needs to be. So then, okay, another
5: twist, (laughs) another backstab. (laughs)
4: Well, it's kind of like Wild Things yeah. in that sense. But unlike Wild Things, there's a lot more preamble. For sure. Whereas Wild Things, you're right in it, and then the twists are all related to the money and mm-hmm. the sex and the murder. Whereas this is all preamble to see like what is actually going to happen. Right. Because nothing that you couldn't get out of happens for the first like hour and 45 minutes. Totally. And then at the end, you're kind of like, well, now we can't get out of this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: dog looks like he could use a sip, he looks sick. That's cause he's dead. Hot What? I hope you wasn't petting him, none, was you? What the hell are you doing with a dead dog around? He's only just dead. What was I supposed to do with him? Me and Jesse, we've been pals since the war when I lost my eyes. Come on, Jesse. I'm gonna take you for a walk now. I'll see you later, unless I uh, come across something worse.
2: Yeah. I'm just going to my car.
6: Oh, that's right on my way.
2: Well, my mother told me not to accept offers from strangers.
0: <laughs> I'm Bobby. See? I'm not strangers. See how easy that was, beautiful?
2: Do you have to call me that?
0: Well, I don't know your name.
2: Maybe I don't want you to.
0: Well, maybe you wouldn't stop walking if you did. You're
2: pretty full of yourself. Yeah.
0: I like that about me, beautiful. It's Grace. Grace, I carry your package.
2: Oh, jeez. You sure you can manage? Uh, yeah. You want me to carry your pet for you? No, no, it's
0: no
1: trouble.
2: What happened to your hand?
1: Accident.
3: You should be more careful.
2: It's just a few drapes and curtain rods. Just got so time i had them long as I can remember. My mother made them. Saw them and just knew I had to have them. You ever see something and just knew you had to have it? Yes, I have. This is it. Thank you, Bobby.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Grace.
2: You're not from around here, are you?
0: I just drove in this morning. My car overheated up the road.
2: Lucky it didn't happen out in the desert. Day like today. You'd be dead in no time. When you leaving?
0: Not until I get my car back. Who knows how long that'll take.
2: In here, I made you all hot and sweaty.
0: Morning, Grace.
2: Morning, Sheriff. Got my drapes.
0: It was about time. So you got yourself a helper, too. Sure. Nice to meet you, son. Same to you, sir. Sure.
2: Now, if you now I could use some help getting these boxes in the house, you could shower, get something cool to drink.
4: It's really a, a special dress and a memorable look between this and what we discussed with the shorts and the Merino jersey and out of sight. Jennifer was overwhelming the world at a certain point. It's just too much to take.
5: Just exploding onto the scene. Everyone's just sort of like, whoa.
4: I know that probably some of our listeners don't like the kind of pig talk, appreciating a, a beautiful woman. But hmm. look, it's one trashy summer. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think that's ever
5: something that's going to go away in terms of like, <laughs> beautiful people being in movies. I'm sorry. Well, I thought you meant about stuff we would talk no, about. And no, I was like, yeah, I mean, it won't. Like, I'm sorry. Like, There's a reason why these people get attention. No, I know. Like Chris Hemsworth, there's a reason he's in movies,
3: okay?
4: No, I know. And I think it's weird whenever these actors and actresses act like that's not a thing. Uh, yeah. Because they don't want to have to accept that a lot of their success is just a genetic lottery. Right. I know that they have talent too. It yeah, takes more sure. because it, there's it plenty of Absolutely, hot people yeah. that can't be in movies. Right. Emily Ratajkowski comes to <laughs> mind, but she's <laughs> more of a music video. You, you can't deny, yeah, the significance of it. There's a reality to it. Yeah, I, I know. We're not even being that gross. Yeah. We could be so much grosser, and I still, and I think <laughs> well, still be acceptable. That, right? And I think still be acceptable is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Well, obviously, we could be <laughs> inappropriately <laughs> gross. Yeah, yeah powers booth drives up he's the sheriff sheriff virgil so you got yourself a helper too oh yeah everybody constantly in everyone else's business in this town you have the stranger from out of town everyone is noticing there's this guy who's this fucking dude yeah now he's talking to her
5: grace well every dude there's already like a (laughs) queue a competition going on yeah at all times they don't want like another guy getting in line
4: there's Certainly, saying to themselves that Jake sounds like he could die at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) She might be back on the market. Although, let's be real. Let's just talk about it right now. Everyone in this town knows. Oh, yeah. The backstory. The dark history here. They would have to, right? Yeah. I was trying to run through it in my head, and I was like, they probably could have done it in a way where it was a rumor, and not everyone really knew for sure. Because you have to pay attention to what Mm -hmm. Grace tells Bobby later about Jake's relationship with her mother. And once you piece that together, you can start to think, well, okay, Jake had a different wife. He was probably out of town all the time. Grace's mother gets pregnant. There's no confirmation of who the father is. Right. We're basically giving everything away right now.
5: Now, Jake is like a Brad Wesley type, it kind of seems.
4: Yes and no. Yes in terms of reputation and power, but no in terms of public opinion. I, yeah. I don't think he's as hated as Wesley. Right, okay. I'm sure some yeah. people are like Fuck that fucking guy. old pervert or whatever, <laughs> right. but he's not extorting money. I, it doesn't even really seem yeah. as if he's super dirty. He's definitely dirty, but he's well, in terms of his business, we don't really yeah, know. Yeah, they don't put it out there, no.
5: but it sort of seems like there's a dark
4: underbelly here. If you've got $200,000 in cash in yeah, a safe under your bed, right? So, normal rich people would have that in the bank. Yeah. Because he's definitely the rich. Market, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Seems like they definitely are worried about the market. Maybe like superior. a band
5: guard, yeah.
4: <laughs> Bobby does well enough with Grace to secure an invitation back to her house. Everyone's got wheels in motion at all times in this town. You have to keep that in mind, whether you're talking about Grace, whether you're talking about the sheriff, whether you're talking about Bobby. Everyone in this movie's got wheels in motion. Mm -hmm. Once you understand that, every action has meaning. Right. And then once the full story is revealed at the end of the movie, it's fun to go back and question these things. Yeah. So what is this game that she's playing? Because clearly she's playing some kind of a game right now. Well, and
5: it definitely boils over for him quickly. It doesn't take long for him to be like, enough with the games.
4: (laughs) Well, I think it's when... (laughs) We're jumping ahead, but when he sees her lack of reaction at getting caught, and then he's realizing he's the only one trying to make any excuse, and he's like, Say
3: something.
4: Yeah, I know. Coming from both Lopez and Penn, there was some legitimate chemistry between the two. Oh, man. To the point where she was referencing it a decade or so later. Wow. And the situation at the time was I think he was married and she was engaged. Insert your Jennifer Lopez marriage engagement yeah. jokes as you wish. <laughs> when hasn't that been the case? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen between yeah. them, but they both seem like. We wanted it to? Yeah, after yeah. the fact, they both were acting like they kind of wanted it to. Yeah. Can't blame them. <laughs> she picked him ahead of Clooney, I think, in terms of who she had the best chemistry with or oh, something. Wow. That was kind of the question. And it was okay. definitely after both movies. Yeah. It was well after both. I
5: know it's a different thing, but the chemistry between her and Clooney.
4: Yeah, they have better on-screen like, oh chemistry. Oh, my
5: gosh. Yeah. I, that is like an all-timer for me in terms of on-screen chemistry.
4: Well, to be fully transparent, it's not as if she ever said there wasn't chemistry. Right, But she right. just picked just, Penn like, as yeah. the top. Grace lives in the best estate in Superior. It's a little house on a hill kind of looking thing. Although when I say hill, don't picture grass. It's all... Desert.
5: It's kind of a big house, isn't it?
4: Yeah, that's why yeah. I said it's the best estate in Superior because a lot of the houses look like little. Yeah. I don't know what you would call those. I know. Very small.
5: They had to like row houses, of, right?
4: Is that what you would call it? I don't know.
5: Yeah, they must have brought in like a, an interior decorator
4: from outside of Superior. I feel like, not all although you can kind of see Jake's influence. influence yeah. yeah, I don't know that a woman would pick a lot of the stuff in yeah. there. Kind of. Desert hillbilly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But rich. Right. So no taste or class. Desert
5: hillbilly. Well, what a rich desert hillbilly
4: would think is cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like dead animals. Her husband's name is Jake McKenna. If you pay attention before they even drive out of town, out of Main Street, you can see his name all over the place. Mm -hmm. He's a real estate big shot. You'd have to imagine his job involves a lot of travel. Doesn't seem like there'd be much juice left in Superior. But I think that ties in with who Jake is and what he's trying to accomplish with keeping his little wife out here Mm -hmm. in the desert while he does his business in Phoenix or wherever he's at because he doesn't want the world to get a look at what he's got going on. Or what he's got going on to get a look at the world. Yes, (laughs) exactly. At Grace's house, Bobby's able to take a shower and during that, he flashes back to him losing his fingers. It was courtesy of the gangsters he owes money to. Yeah. They basically just chopped his fingers off with of little garden uh-huh. shears.
5: Little rule of thumb, you should be suspicious if you've just met someone and they're saying, come in and use my shower.
4: <laughs> what if she looks like Jennifer Lopez? All bets are off. You got to do it. Jump in that shower? <laughs> I'd already be nude. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, please leave. I'm calling the police. The ring finger and the pinky cut off at the knuckle. That's what we're dealing with. It's pretty gruesome, but they don't fixate on it too much.
5: No, but it does seem like it would be rough to be running around like this. Especially
4: in the desert. Yeah. A lot of dust blowing in there. But we also see that Bobby has a big bag with some cash in it. So maybe he's able to dig himself out of it. We don't know what his situation is at the moment. We just know it's not great. But he's got this money, so maybe it's gonna get better. After showering at Grace's house, it's a quick seduction. Mm -hmm. Grace is nearly purring, (laughs) sitting with her legs apart at the edge of the bed, beckoning Bobby to come closer. Uh She begins reading his future and touching his face because she claims to be a seer. The
5: first move is to rub her finger across his lips. Okay, (laughs) right. This is a very sexual.
4: As he's kneeling, right down in front of her think about how fucking surreal this would feel after talking and sweating outside with Daryl only 20 minutes earlier now this is happening yeah (laughs) what she plays it coy for a while though beginning to hang the drapes she just picked up in town but she asks Bobby to hold her while she's bounced up high Mm -hmm. by the windows Grace's dress is clinging to her body outrageously I don't know if you noticed, but I was doing this yeah, for some reason. a lot reason. of tension in the, the scene. I don't know why I was moving my hand like that. There you were, like, waving yourself down a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, whoo! <laughs> Getting a little sweaty just going over this scene. Whoa, it is a hot scene. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. It's a hot fucking scene. Right. I have that written right there. <laughs>
5: Grace, next, of course, doing the exhausting work of hanging drapes.
4: He puts his hands on her hips, his face practically up under her dress. She hangs... One drape, mm-hmm. then says, I'm tired of hanging drapes, now what should we do? <laughs> Still in the sexiest voice you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Eventually, no more games, they give in and start kissing.
2: Thought so you might like some more lemonade.
4: That'd be great.
0: What do you do anyway?
2: Little this, little that. Mostly I tell fortune.
0: Where'd you learn that?
2: From my father. Come here. I want to hang trapes. lighter. I won't break. There. Lift me down. You can put me down now. I'm safe. What
0: should we do? Well, I got an idea.
2: What would that be?
0: All right, Grace, no more games.
2: And what game you want to play? You carry my bosses for me and I fall into bed with you?
0: I did find my own way back into town.
2: Maybe i'd like to know about a man first maybe i'd like to find out what he's made of
0: thanks for the lemonade you
2: still didn't answer my question
0: still playing what
2: is it
4: you want but almost too conveniently our would-be lovers are interrupted by grace's husband the aforementioned jake played by nick nolte very yeah reminiscent of sideways how this all Uh feels because yes there's similarities to other film noirs and those kind of things yeah the standard bad girl femme fatale he's being seduced into something but the sideways element comes in when jake bursts in and he's like all fire and vinegar and rage and bobby's Stammering, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like trying to come up with an excuse.
5: (laughs) We were hanging drapes.
4: He's trying to mount a defense, and then he looks over at Grace, and Grace is just sort of making like this sly, "Oh, I'm sorry," like not saying anything. And Bobby probably feels like he's going fucking crazy. Like, wait, what, 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 what,
3: what? Stop.
5: Right. I would say if you're Bobby, like being killed is on the
4: table here. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I would hope. (laughs) And then I can distinctly remember watching I this hope. as a teenager and then Nick Nolte bursting out just saying to Grace, I ought to put you over my knee and paddle your ass raw. I think I fucking fell out a window when he said that. I was like, what What the fuck?
2: Grace. <gasps> Jay, I thought you were in phoenix.
0: Who the hell is this? Who in the hell are you? I'm her husband. Uh,
1: husband.
0: Now, who in the hell are you? It better be good or, God help me, I'm gonna break you in half. Oh, 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 easy, Chief, easy. I was just helping out your wife. We met in town. I was just giving her a hand with the drapes. That's all. It (laughs) much looked like you were hanging drapes. That's all that happened. I swear. (laughs) What that means? Grace, tell him. Damn it, Grace, tell him! I suppose you didn't have anything to do with it, Grace. He just wandered up here himself.
1: I got a mind to put
0: you over my knee and paddle your ass raw.
1: Is that what this is all about? You sucker me up here so the two of us can go beat the shit out of each other over you? Forget it.
0: (laughs) You don't just walk in here and walk out. You broke my nose. Oh, it ain't broke. (laughs) go on Squeak.
4: <sighs> what can be said about this it's a delightfully unhinged performance from Nolte the kind we've come to recognize from him it's so bizarre yeah. that only a few years before this he was in Cape Fear and Prince of Tides yeah. and was voted People Magazine's sexiest man This was only a couple years before this. What the fuck? (laughs) He really went after it. (laughs) Yeah. What is, like,
5: the story with him in real life? A lot of demons, I think. Yeah, he, like, kind of went on to just play, like, weird characters.
4: Well, yeah, he just was fucked up. His voice kept getting wilder and wilder. Did you see Warrior? And that movie's over 10 years old now. You can't He sounds like Bane.
3: Yeah. (laughs)
4: Jake ends up punching Bobby in the nose, and the last thing Bobby sees as he's leaving is Grace sheepishly looking up at Jake, embracing her husband, Uh and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is a sign,
5: though, that you gotta stay away. Which it does seem like Bobby at a certain point does know, but he just can't help himself anymore.
4: Well, he usually has a reason, though, because at this point... He doesn't need to involve himself in Grace or Jake's lives anymore. The money becomes a part of it. Yeah, because right now he's got money. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. There's buzzards. Oh, yeah. The blistering, blinding sun. A terrible place to walk. Just the sweat.
5: Whenever I see these movies, I just can't imagine walking out.
4: Well, yeah, they're using those filters that make the sun look like this huge, wet, yellow like blinding thing
5: to it basically yeah but i notice this a lot in movies way more pants jeans long sleeve shirts going yeah
4: on in like well shorts don't degrees. read well yeah. it, if he was wearing shorts this movie you, you couldn't
5: make that movie <laughs> shorts and like a tank top <laughs> you, you fucking dork no i know it, it doesn't but I'm, i cannot believe wearing a long sleeve shirt drenched in sweat
4: well think about this yeah the part in pulp fiction right Where Jimmy is giving Vincent Vega and Jules his clothes, and then they're goofing on them, calling them dorks. Yeah, Yeah, because there's just a certain expectation with these types of movies. You can't have them wear fucking shorts. Any kind of shorts.
5: The best is the ones where they're wearing full suits,
4: and it's like 100 degrees. It's actually Jake who drives up alongside Bobby and offers to give him a lift. That should be clue number two. That yeah, this, right after a Do scene. not involve yourself with yeah, these people. No, no, They're thanks. nuts. By the
5: way, I'll take a ride from anyone else in the world who's not you right now.
4: It <laughs> doesn't take long before Jake launches into his pitch. There's some great fucking quotes in this movie. The dialogue is actually really good. I know. It seems like it had to be a
5: almost a hefty
4: script. There's a lot of
5: lines in it.
4: Oh, yeah. Jake says, a man who's got no ethics is a free man. Do as he pleases. I envy you that. Long story short, Jake wants to hire Bobby to kill Grace. (laughs) Ain't that always the way with these movies? I know. You've been sucked into their lives, and then oh, wouldn't you know it? I guess paddling her ass isn't enough, because the idea that we get several times throughout the film is that she's fucking everybody. But they tell you that so many times and then at the end you're still like are you fucking kidding me Grace really (laughs) (laughs) when that last I know
3: (laughs)
5: yeah what do you think the life insurance policy is on her 10 billion (laughs) dollars I think he says 50,000 I know he does
4: which seemed low to me well he is a con artist too true because he acts like he doesn't have any money right whenever they actually launch into a negotiation later in the movie. Everything happens eventually in this movie. It just takes several conversations to Mm -hmm. get there. I'm not a murderer, Bobby says. One of the great lines in the movie is the comeback. Oh, yeah, well, how do you know if you never tried, huh?
5: Yeah. (laughs) That is a fucking great comeback. That's a good point, too.
4: He says it later. He can fucking smell it on him. He knows exactly what kind Mm -hmm. of guy this guy is, because... They're probably pretty similar, except one's more successful. Right. But they have the same scruples. Yep. The conversation ends with Jake dropping Bobby off in town and with Jake unconvincingly agreeing with Bobby that the whole idea was just a joke. You want to talk about your after-hours moments, those little Please. side quests, which we mentioned in <laughs> Savage Streets? Although the side quests in this movie do generally connect to that whole frustration of not being able to get out of Superior... Bobby wants to get a drink after his sweat-inducing walk, so he goes to the local grocer, and there's a robbery. A fucking I know. robbery is going on in this little town. Who are these guys, and where are they from? Really. They're not even wearing masks. It seems like your chances of getting
5: caught robbing a place like this, where they are, is 100%. Unless you
4: literally are driving through or, from somewhere re- else. Or
5: unless you get killed while trying to do it, <laughs> then you're not going to get arrested. <laughs>
4: Bobby just wants this goddamn drink, and it for the longest time in this movie, it doesn't happen. It ends with the woman at the store killing the robbers with a shotgun after they've already snagged Bobby's duffel bag full of cash. The shotgun blasts destroy most of the money. Bobby pays off the woman to leave him out of it with the police, but now he's got no money for his major debt. Hmm. And then he tries to get a sip of water out of the water faucet outside, and there's this fucking scorpion on it.
5: (laughs) Awful.
6: Hey! What the hell happened to your face? I had an accident. Another accident. You know, you got to be more careful.
0: What the hell happened to my
6: car? Well, your yeah. bottom hose is shot, too. Rotted clean through, but i put a new one in there. Runs like a dream now. How much? Uh, Well, let's see. You got parts and labor. Let's just call it uh, 150 bucks. How much? Well, 150. To replace a goddamn radiator hose? A goddamn radiator hose in a 1964 and a half Mustang. Do you know how it's long it took? Ford.
1: It- it's not a Ferrari, it's a goddamn Ford!
6: It's not just a Ford. It's a 1964 and a half Mustang.
1: What's that got to do with the radiator hose?
6: I don't know. But it's the reason that I'm living here, and you're just passing through. Now, you owe me 150 bucks.
0: Look, man, I just got rolled half an hour ago for everything I got.
6: Well. Why don't you just uh, get your American Express gold card out there and uh, call the guy on TV with a big schnoz? I don't have a credit card. I sure hope you know how to wash dishes or shovel shit, because you're going to have to work this off, bud. Look, I got him a bottle. It's worth 7800 dollars easy. You can sell it for that. Well, shit, sell it to who? I can't see no numbers.
1: You don't have to be
6: numbers on it. That's why it's expensive. Look at the gold. No day, no date, shit. As far as I can tell, this ain't worth a duck's part. you here. I got that one for $3.75. It's got every doodad you can ever imagine on it. I believe I'll just stick with it. You son of a bitch! My lawyer will shut you down. You ain't got no credit cards, but you got a lawyer? <laughs> Listen, you sweet-taught me all you want to, but didn't you read this sign right here? What fucking sign? I want my car. I want my $150.
4: Bobby returns to Harlan's garage and discovers Daryl has completely disassembled a lot of the Mustang. He also wants $150, which Bobby decides is outrageous. Besides, there are some cash flow issues at the moment. So essentially, his car is being held hostage. He can't get it back. He has to pay, which is normal. But it seems crazy in the heightened circumstances of the film. Mm-hmm. Of course it's normal. Yeah. I can't just not pay a mechanic and think right. I'm taking my car. He walks back into town, tries the pay phone. We get a little bit of, of a montage of him trying to raise some quick cash. It's another window into what a loser Bobby actually is. Definitely. He's arguing with an ex-girlfriend over who stole CDs.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: and then his mom thought he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> And then she ends that by hanging up and saying, well, he should be. <laughs> <laughs> then he does something so insane and naive that it almost kind of takes me out of the movie. But I don't mind it just because it's a reminder of what an idiot and loser yeah. he actually is. He calls the gangster he owes money to and then reveals
5: Where that he he's is. in yeah. Even though it seemed like the whole thing was he was on the run from this
4: dude. That's what it seemed like. But if you listen to what he said to Grace... later, I think it's later, he's saying he was driving to Vegas Uh to pay them back. Okay, But yeah, you do get the sense he was fleeing, but I guess it was the opposite. For whatever reason, he believes that the actual truth will set him free, Mm -hmm. but one of the goons is dispatched from Vegas to Superior, Arizona and occasionally we'll see him driving in a convertible Cadillac of his own, but, and we'll get to it, he's really not much of a factor. Next up, Bobby stops in the town's cafe. Julie Haggerty plays Flo, the waitress at this establishment. And yes, her name being Flo is called out as being ridiculous. Brent Briscoe is Boyd, one of the local yokels perpetually parked at the counter. Claire Danes as Jenny and Joaquin Phoenix as Toby and Tucker. That's right, TNT. (laughs) How would you describe them, the two young people in the town who are, of course, going to be a couple because there's no one else? They are too good looking to be in this town, though. This is what I was talking about earlier, the boredom thing, eating Mm -hmm. your whole brain. Of course, I was referring to Grace and Jake and Virgil and everyone else, but that certainly applies to these two idiots who have concocted a fantasy world- right where they are actors in some kind of a soap opera almost, that's the level of absurdity that they're trying to inject into their own life. Well, they kind of drag
5: Bobby into a sideways situation too. But not really, yeah. because
4: he never really is involved. Right. <laughs> that's why they're crazy. Yeah. If this was Grace and Jake, that would actually oh, yeah. make sense. Right. <laughs> he has no interest in Jenny, who I believe, and it's a little weird because I I think Claire Danes and Joaquin Phoenix were both probably about 20-ish. I think they're supposed to be teenagers. Oh, okay. I think that's what you're supposed to think. I didn't get that, but probably just because they both look older to me. And they're both dressed in a way that makes them seem older because everyone's wearing old clothes and old styles. And Jenny doesn't understand why Patsy Cline doesn't release records anymore. TNT definitely is not acting like someone in his 20s. Yeah, I think they're supposed to just be idiotic yeah. teenagers with nothing to do. Maybe late teenagers, maybe 18, 19, okay. but I don't think they're yeah. supposed to be old, like adults. For the Toby and Tucker role, Joaquin Phoenix said, small town style gave him the inspiration and the idea for the haircut, which was TNT, the character's initials, shaved on the back of his head. He said, quote, these kids in these small towns, these fads that just roll over them, Like five years pass and they still hang on to them. So I thought it was really great if he shaves his name, he thinks he's really notorious. (laughs) 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 He does sort of capture that Napoleon complex that small town guys have. Because, okay, we've alluded to it, we've danced around it with Jake. Mm -hmm. Some boys take a beautiful girl and hide (laughs) her away. Literally hiding... grace away from the rest of the world yeah. what do you think toby thinks about his girl
5: yeah i know he's like i gotta
4: except to here's the raps. thing and this isn't a knock on claire danes but mm. she ain't going anywhere you can just tell yeah. she's a loser he's a loser too you're just getting bamboozled by the good looks of movie stars mm-hmm. they're losers yeah. they are not going anywhere grace could go somewhere oh yeah but toby has to invent this version of jake's life is what I guess I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. He wants to take his girl and hide her away from the rest of the world. He wants to be the big man in charge and have the beautiful girl. But they're so fucking bored, Yeah, they have to pretend that this guy is trying to hit on her and then start fights with them and get in his face. And
5: Grace is like, I'm going to get out of Superior and I'm going to get my big break and be a dancer on In Living Color. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's an origin story. Yeah.
2: You ain't from Renner, are you? Bye.
4: Oz. No, you ain't. You ain't
2: from Oz. Oz is from that movie.
1: (laughs) You are too quick for (laughs) me. Oh, no, no, no. Now, I'm seeing, but but I'm not believing. No, no, no. Mister, what do you think you're doing, my girl?
3: But
1: you can hear I asked you a question.
2: Toby, we wasn't doing it I was just mouth, talking. your mouth,
1: Get back over to our table. Mister, don't make me ask you again. What do you think you're doing with my girl? Oh, I wasn't doing anything. Uh-huh. Well, that's not the way it looked to me. You looked to me like you're trying to make time with her. Make time with her? Is everybody in this town on drugs?
2: Honest, Toby, I just asked him for a quarter for the Girl,
1: shut your mouth. Look here, mister. You and me, we got a little man's business to take care of. I know I ain't never taking no drugs. Well, but... maybe you should. Now, look, I wasn't trying to make time with your girl. OK? Stop calling you that.
0: You want to fight
1: over her? You know, I, I don't think you know who I am. The name's Toby N. Tucker. People around here call me TNT. You know why?
0: Um. They're not very imaginative.
1: Because I'm just like dynamite boy, and when I go off, somebody gets hurt.
5: Fine.
0: I was trying to make time with your girl, you're right. And now I'm terrified, and I've learned my lesson, and you can go away.
1: Jesus Christ. Stand up. Stand up, mister, or I'll beat you where you sit. Toby, just go finish your pop and leave that man alone. Don't you never mind, Flo, OK? Let's get me over real quick, don't worry. One touch, Toby. Come on, pussy. Well, you're really lucky this time, mister. But don't you think so? I called you out and I'm gonna see this is a again. burning thing. Come on, girl. I'm gonna have mine make you walk home. It make he,
3: he a he on them. That funny.
0: What's that over? You
2: know Hobie thinks every man
0: he sees after his Jenny. Yeah, it's more like Jenny's after every man she sees.
4: <laughs> a couple of times in the movie when TNT's being an asshat, mm-hmm. Ring of Fire is playing, and of course, Joaquin Phoenix right. famously played Johnny Cash. Which
5: I think is probably really when I knew who he was. When Walk the Line came out.
4: Let's face it, you weren't really into movies until the last couple years.
5: Yeah, I was into movies, just not
4: every movie. (laughs) Neither was I, honestly. I have a better face memory thing. You still have a hard time picking people out from movies and stuff. It depends.
5: Every once in a while. Well,
4: you're not in my league, let's say that. For sure. I'm picking out people that flash by in a commercial and say, Seinfeld Season (laughs) 4. nobody is in that league. Well, yeah, with random people. And then I'll be like, is that Jennifer Lawrence or who is that? (laughs) With like the biggest movie stars, I'm kind of, who is this again? Which Chris is this? And then I'm like, oh, that guy was in season eight of Modern Family. Just in the background. But I remember his face. (laughs) He didn't have any lines. Again, Bobby is... Thwarted in his pursuit of getting a beverage as he cuts his hand trying to open a beer that he bought from the diner, drops it, shatters. Yeah, well, that would have just dehydrated him more. In case he had forgotten about Grace, who drives by in her little Jeep and beeps at him,
0: <laughs> just checking in. Infuriating.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just like punched the window I of the know. nearest car. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here after what just happened at your house. Right. <laughs> With no other alternatives. Bobby goes to find Jake at his offices and tells him that he'll kill Grace for money. (laughs) It's like, all right, fuck it.
5: (laughs) She just had to beep at me
4: when she drove by. That's what set him over the edge. (laughs) Jake is a tortured man, sick of Grace's games, the cheating and the taunting. It's also in this scene where we first realize that the age difference between Jake and Grace isn't the only troubling aspect of their relationship. He refers to Grace as his family. Mm -hmm. A picture in the office shows Jake with another woman and a much younger Grace. Yeah, they're doing a lot to make sure you get it. Pose together like a family. Well, here's the thing though. We're so jaded, we understood right away. I think the original interpretation is that He's supposed to be either Grace's stepfather or was Grace's mother's boyfriend. I don't think we're supposed to understand right now that mm-hmm. they're biological yeah. because they certainly treat that reveal as a big deal at the end. Right. So they're just sort of making you wonder, maybe. But isn't
5: there a lot of like daddy's little girl type comments being made? When they're
4: fucking. Yeah. <laughs> which is really <laughs> wild. Yeah, <I> don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought
5: he even would casually say things like that to fucking Bobby just talking about her. Maybe not.
4: Well, if it is, it's not yeah. heavy-handed or anything. They bicker a little bit about the price. Bobby says it's gotta be thirteen k. That's how much he owes the gangsters. Jake is pushing him back, saying he doesn't have the money, which we will later find out is a lie. Because He's like, well, I won't get the life insurance policy right away. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm
5: cash poor. I get that Bobby's sort of in a desperate situation, but... If you're about to go to murder, you're not trying to sweeten the pot a little bit more than exactly what you
4: owe? I know, I would have at least said 14. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have a little walking around money. What, is he gonna drive to Vegas? He can't even pay to get his car fixed. How's he gonna have gas? Yeah. (laughs) But I guess when you're desperate, you're like, I gotta at least have that (laughs) because I'm gonna get fucking killed. (laughs) Nolte kind of talks like Christian Bale doing... The Batman voice. I know yeah. I already compared him to Bane, but he's Bane in Warrior. Indecipherable. <laughs> he's Batman in this movie. <laughs> His voice is just crazy. Yeah. I don't know how to work with it. <laughs> but they start hatching a plan, and the way they they shoot this is kind of cool, because as they're hatching it, we actually see it happening. Mm-hmm. So we're saving some time. Hook back up with Grace get her to take you for a drive in that Jeep she loves so much, go out into the secluded desert, push yeah. that bitch off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> or do whatever you want.
5: Tell her to check out the view, then give her a little shove.
4: So then they do that, and then he is right behind her up on the cliff, and then she starts launching into this speech. I wish I was a bird.
5: Yeah, some like Nelly Furtado type vibes.
4: But literally as he's about to push her, she starts talking about jumping, falling, dying. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
4: Bobby's inching up behind her but then he can't bring himself to do it Yep. instead when she slips he, he saves her yeah he ends up grabbing her and saving her he messed up the entire plan I know because then in his conscience, he could be like
3: well, I did didn't even, even kill her
4: yeah. even though I, I think you'd still have a hard time <laughs> yeah, processing it but, if you were gonna be the type of person that was guilty yeah
0: But I had a feeling you were my boy when I first met you. Mm. Well, looks like we got ourselves a contract. We shake hands. If you can't trust the man you've hired to kill your wife. Now here's the thing. It's got to look like an accident. If it don't. It's no good. Cause I won't get a dime. It'll be my neck that's on the chopping block while you're living it up somewhere. How do you want it? Can't be done at the house. It be, Come uh... think of it, we should talk about some money up front. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> and why don't I buy you a plane ticket right out of here while I'm at it? Oh, I know you. <laughs> here's what you do. You go to the house to see her. Tell her what? All right. Oh no. Tell her hey, you had to see her. You know, sweet nice talk. To you. woman. A young buck like you must be good like that. And then maybe shift the conversation. Get her thinking about that cheaper. Because she loves that thing. Maybe the only thing she does, love. No? And she'll want to take you out for a ride. She'll take you out in the desert, someplace quiet. Someplace deserted. Riding through the red rocks and the mesas. She loves it out there. So, uh, yes, we got that in common. There won't be anybody around for miles except the two of you, the prairie dogs, that's all. And then maybe uh, we can sweet-talk a little if you like. It makes no difference to me. Put her at ease. Make her feel relaxed.
6: Leave It's
2: not that easy. Walk away. Maybe you can take chances. You can wander around like some stray wherever you please. I can't. I don't want to be alone. People on a reservation I used to think people could actually change into animals. I wish I could. If I was a bird, I would fly to Florida, Disney World. <laughs> I always wanted to go there. Now fly to New York, maybe. But I fly to St. Louis and all the. I fly to California. Then I guess I would have seen it all. And I could die. They say you don't feel anything. Let the shot kill you before you hit the ground. imagine it's just like flying. Right now? You don't know if you want to kill me? Or fuck me.
4: Okay, I will admit, in addition to the John Voigt thing, there are a few moments that jump out that I'm kind of like, I wish that wasn't in here. She does say something along the lines of, you don't know if you want to kill me or fuck me or something like that. Yeah, and It's a little cheesy. Uh huh.
5: But, but it kind of becomes their thing.
4: I know, but yeah. it's you don't say that, though. I know. It's you, too on the right, nose. I'm with you.
5: It's, you, you kind of cringe at that.
4: It does tie in with what I was alluding to earlier, which is... Once you know everything that happens in the movie, it is fun to go back and I mean, ask yourself questions. So you're wondering, in this scene, does Grace know that yeah. Jake wants her dead? That's the thing that I'm always wondering,
5: for from this part through the rest of the movie, does this person know
4: X? I know. Well, we sometimes have the best parts of these conversations off mic before we yeah. start recording, but... I was saying that Wild Things, I made the joke, that it feels airtight. And it kind of does, even if it isn't. I don't know if it is or isn't, but it kind of feels like, Yeah. yeah, this makes sense, even though it's absurd. This movie is not airtight, but that also makes it fun. Right. Because now you're questioning lots of different moments and wondering, who knows what, was this part of some sort of a bigger plan when the final, final reveal happens? Was there a bigger plan at play? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lots of question marks, but fun questions, not ones that make you think. Okay, well, the movie sucks because it doesn't explain it. But just outside of the main story, what was going on back here or in the background or whatever? Now the whole
5: like kill me or fuck me thing. Well, I agree with you that it's very like cringe to have that as
4: the dialogue. Usually, that's what you say as soon as you walk into my apartment. Yeah
5: thematically I'm all here for it. And that's what makes me think Sharon Stone. Well, yeah. And who doesn't want to be in a relationship with just a beautiful woman that you're not really sure if they're going to kill you, you know, <laughs>
4: <laughs> it seems like a dream. Yeah. Stone, Sharon Stone uh-huh. could definitely pull this part off in her sleep. Yeah. It just isn't as fun. Right. If you take away the native American stuff. And part of me is a little worried that they would have still done it.
5: I know, which would have been wild. That would have
4: made this movie an (laughs) all-time movie to go back and revisit. Hey, Sharon, do you mind dyeing your hair black for this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I love the parts with Nolte crying in his car as he thinks the murder is taking place. That's something you don't usually see in these types of movies, and I think it adds a lot. I love it. Bobby chooses fucking grace instead of killing her but she does put an abrupt stop to it though so he's like go finish behind those trees i love that too that that, felt very real that scene that
5: part definitely had an impact on me like seeing it for the first time not
4: something that i can say i had ever seen on film before what him needing to take care of it because she stopped the proceedings yeah I did think it made him seem like a cool guy. Like He stops immediately. There isn't (laughs) any like, what the fuck or anything. He's just like, wait, okay. But at the same time, even if he does do the right thing, the thing that you obviously should do, everything feels like a mind game. Mm -hmm. Her allowing him to have sex with her and then stopping it abruptly, everything feels very orchestrated and he doesn't know what's going on. And then she launches into a monologue, which I have written and I will read you. Please. Jake was with my mom. After my real father died. Used to call me his little half-breed. Kept my mom on the side, you know? Because he had a wife someplace else. He controlled me. As she's saying this, we're seeing flashbacks with her mother, with her younger. Mm -hmm. Jake younger with a bigger beard. (laughs) He was raping me the whole time, she says. For years. My mom, it tore her up because she couldn't do nothing about it. She become alcoholic. They found my mama right down here at the bottom of Apache Leap. And Virgil, Sheriff Potter, I do think that that's sort of a fun tell that she calls him Virgil and then Uh corrects it to Sheriff Potter. He said she was drunk and went insane, but I never believed she ran off that cliff by accident. She was like me. She just wanted to fly away. So now, because of this backstory... It's been on the surface, it's been around the edges, but now we're plunged right into a, a major racial aspect of the film. There's some inequality between this rich white man and then taking advantage of a Native American woman, Grace's mother, sort of using her, throwing her away. Later in the film, it's pretty much confirmed that he actually killed her, which I don't think is a big surprise. Sherry Foster plays Grace's mother in the flashbacks. It's quite a story, one that might have Bobby more willing to see things Grace's way now. In other words, she's garnered a lot of sympathy for herself with this harrowing tale. But it all comes back to one thing, $150, goddamn lousy 150 bucks. Nothing can move forward until that's addressed. Grace starts talking about Jake's safe, in the floor, in the bedroom. She says maybe there's more than 100K in there. So you may have noticed it when I was quoting Grace extensively there. She's using some broken English.
5: Yeah, which is weird because never any broken English in the dialogue.
4: What do you mean? Like when she's that is done in this like. Voice well, occasionally. Oh, you mean never when she's talking? Right. No, it occasionally does. Okay. But not a lot. It's not consistent. And so I was thinking about this. And at first, I was chalking that up to just inconsistent acting, maybe. Mm -hmm. Inconsistent writing, if it was a a script thing. But the more I started to think about it, I realized that it might be intentional. Because at first... It's all put on. It seems like maybe Grace is uneducated. And that seems very believable, that she just didn't even go to school. Mm -hmm. I could definitely buy that, considering everything we're going to learn. Well, yeah. But then I thought, well, maybe there's a reason that she would want to seem uneducated in front of Bobby. And I do think it's possible that this is part of a put-on where she wants to seem dumb to him or something. I don't know. Like I said, it it falls under that unanswerable question, which this movie has a lot more of because it's not as airtight about everything. So, I don't know. It could be part of her scam, her grift. Definitely. I'll seem like... An idiot so that he'll think he's in charge, even though we all know he's the dumbest person I've ever seen. (laughs) All of a sudden, Bobby is being pressured to kill Jake by the woman he was hired to kill (laughs) by Jake.
5: Yeah, he does flip-flop between these two a few times.
4: It's all so neat and perfect. Kill Jake, get the key to his safe that he wears around his neck, take the cash, and then he and Grace can split town and begin a new life together. Bobby, maybe you want to ask... What am I putting out there into the world that has made two different people insist they see a murderer in me after I've told them no? Yeah. At first, he rejects Grace's plan outright and walks back to town somehow.
5: He's known Grace for two and a half hours. Yes. Ready to run away together. Wouldn't you, though? Maybe, although the mind game stuff, I'm a little bit more keen now to just be like, I can't do this.
4: Yeah, Right. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Here's the
5: thing. The reality to it is...
4: She could just smile at you, and you're taking your wallet out of your pocket and handing it over.
5: like, I'm so oblivious, I would never even notice her struggling to get the boxes
4: in her jeeps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely would have never approached her in the first place. Throughout the film, close-up shots of the ring Nick Nolte's character wears are Mm -hmm. shown, amongst the other random close-ups. It bears a Freemasonic insignia and most likely was used in the film for the purposes of being anti-Masonic, given the character's weak moral fiber and downright repugnant behavior. Oliver Stone is a notorious conspiracy theorist, and many conspiracy theories revolve around Freemasonry and other various secret societies. Yeah. So that's probably intentional to just throw that in there. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Oliver. Yeah. Bobby reencounters the two psychopaths, Jenny and TNT, prompting another near fight to be interrupted by Sheriff Potter, who drives up in his cruiser. Obviously, Jenny yeah. is addicted to manufacturing some drama. I know
5: this is a, a whole other level of frustration because, in one sense, you're already involved in being in the middle of a relationship, <laughs> but now you have this other girl who keeps like creating it. Yeah. With no indication from you that you're interested or attempting anything.
4: Right, they're just a nuisance. Yeah. Bobby ends up riding with the sheriff who's got some questions about the robbery at the grocery store. The sheriff is driving, well, drinking from a bottle, it should be noted. <laughs> As they're driving together, they encounter Jake, and this is the first time Bobby has encountered Jake since promising to kill his wife. It seems unlikely that in this moment Jake would know that Bobby has backed out. I don't think he would know yet, but but maybe seem
5: to be acting a certain way. Jake.
4: Yeah. Well, there's obviously a lot of tension to seeing him in a fucking cop car. You're thinking what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Am I, is this cop going to be telling me that my wife has been murdered? Right. How do I react to this? It's a cool scene. Yeah. And this is what jumped out to me too. A lot of these little moments watching it as a teenager and just not having a ton of experience with these types of movies I thought Jake crying in his car when he thought Grace was getting murdered was cool. I thought this scene was cool because it's a moment where you're not sure if Jake knows that he backed out yet or if Jake is freaked out because he thinks the guy who murdered his wife has already been arrested. We don't know. Right. We don't know what to think. And then, to top it off, to end that conversation, Virgil says to him, time's running out, son. I'll be seeing you in the morning. What the fuck does that mean? And then he does see him in the morning. Yeah, yeah. We're also seeing the mob henchmen continue to get closer and closer yeah. to Superior. It is weird, though, because Bobby,
5: he's just figuring it out as he goes, but there is not really a plan. No. He wants to get his car back. That's his main thing. It's just, let me get the car back. But it's not like we ever see him committing to, like, oh, I'll stay at this hotel in town. No. Boyd well, doesn't have any money for right. a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be staying on the streets with
4: John Voight. He almost does yeah. at a certain point because he is talking to him late at night.
6: Hi there, bud. I was starting to think you coming back. One of them days when you feel like you're running around in circles and you ain't no closer to where you are trying to get and when you started. been there, huh? Oh, hell yeah. And when you feel like that, I don't think there's anything else you can do except tough it out. Leave that? You think bad, then bad's what you get.
0: That's a pretty decent philosophy you got, Daryl. Well, no charge. Hey, Daryl. About the 150 bucks. 200. Next town I get to, i send it to you, I swear to God. 200. You owe me $200. This morning you said it was going to owe me $150 for the hose.
6: Well, yeah, for the hose. But uh, when you left this morning, I had to replace a gasket. That's gonna run you another 50s. Nobody said anything about replacing a gasket. Well, it was shot.
0: Fuck. I didn't tell you you could do it, and you can't do unauthorized
6: work. So all of a sudden, you know everything there is to know about being a mechanic? Well, didn't you read the sign? I can't do unauthorized work. What am I supposed to do? Let you drive out of here with a bad gasket? Then you get in an accident and get killed. Or worse, but who they blame? They blame me. And there goes my reputation.
0: What reputation? You're just an ignorant, inbred, tumbleweed hick.
6: Is that an insult or you're insulting me? Listen to me, you stupid fuck. I- you listen to me, goddammit, you sorry son of a bitch. You owe me money, and this car ain't going no goddamn way till I get it. Do you understand me? And if you take another five hours by God, then I'll find another $50 worth of work to do on the son of a bitch. And now you get your ass out of here before I call the sheriff. Who knows me? Oh! You want to play? Well, I'll play with you. Come on! I'll play with you. You want to smash something? Huh? Here, I'll smash something. Okay, okay. Okay, oh, What's the matter? Is all the fight gone out of you? Just...
3: Just leave the
6: car alone. Okay? You know what? It's too goddamn late. You pissed me off.
1: God damn it, you son of a bitch! You son of a bitch!
6: There you go sweet-talking me again.
1: Hey, Daryl, uh, I'm gonna get you your money. Let me just get a couple of things out of my truck. Okay.
6: What do you want? What did you do to my truck? I had to pop the lock. You didn't leave me no trunk key. And you had to get in the truck? When I work on the car, I work on the car, bud.
3: Motherfucker! <laughs>
6: Motherfucker! You, you just can't help yourself, can you, Mr.? Fuck
3: you! You're out of control.
4: <laughs> Back at Harlan's with Daryl, the nightmare never ends. He wants $200 now. He replaced a gasket, too. He also has a sign listing the Mustang for sale, which is unbelievable. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton evidently gained around 50 pounds for this movie. Not sure I really believe that. I believe he was 50 pounds heavier. I don't know that I believe it was for the movie. I don't really know why. He's not the lead. I guess that speaks to a certain commitment, maybe, but I I don't know if I buy it.
5: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Doing some of his other movies, I guess more recently, it does seem like
4: he was this type of dude.
5: I, I don't know that it was worth it. This is the role. This movie
4: made $6.6 $6 million. <laughs> it also features his future father in law, John Voigt, which is so bizarre to even think about that that was a thing.
5: Remember in a place beyond the pines when like Ben Mendelssohn was going to have his teeth removed and get dentures or whatever? <laughs> for that? Like, sometimes it's not worth it, guys.
4: <laughs> that would have been awesome, yeah. actually. I should do that for this podcast. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. With what little cash he actually still has, Bobby then goes to the bus station to try to buy a bus ticket to Mexico where we encounter the ticket seller played by Laurie Metcalf yeah. returning to the Oliver Stone fold from JFK. The ticket that he wants to buy is $30.55, but he only has $27.60, <laughs> which prompts a, a complete freakout. Yeah. And then at first, he's been denied the ticket, and he steps away, and the girl behind him in line who steps forward is Liv Tyler, who says nothing, because then Bobby jumps back and then melts down, and then the woman eventually gives him the ticket. And I will say that Laurie Metcalf is awesome in this scene. It's very funny and weird.
5: Liv Tyler being in it makes it even weirder. Yeah, that's like a surreal yeah. element.
4: You're <laughs> like, what is happening?
5: I know, is this like an Aerosmith video all of a sudden?
4: Bobby ends up getting the bus ticket. The bus leaves at 7.52 that very night. But of course, he mm-hmm. will not end up being on it. Leaving the bus station ticket in hand, Bobby is spotted by the mob goon who is just arriving in town. The goon speeds up, riding down Main Street, which causes Bobby to spot him. Bobby takes off running, but luckily Sheriff Potter hits his siren and pulls the gangster over. Potter finds a gun and arrests the guy as Bobby is about to enjoy an ice cold Dr. Pepper. But oh no, here we go again. TNT back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And by the way, that's the last we'll ever see of that mobster guy. That's right. Which we were having a little debate about before we started recording.
5: Well, we both feel like. You could cut 20 minutes out of the movie.
4: Yeah. You would have just never had him even head to Superior at all. Just cut that all out. And I kind of agree. Bobby? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the movie is just the opening credits, and then he goes the other way at the fork in the road, even though the town was 20 miles away. (laughs) Except this time, Sheriff Potter isn't around to intervene, so Bobby eventually beats the shit out of TNT. Unfortunately, the beating occurs after TNT already discovered the bus ticket and destroyed it.
5: Yeah, which, the movie does a good job of putting you in Bobby's frustrated seat. I've pointed that out. At this point, I'm like 100% rooting for him to beat TNT's ass.
4: Well, I was kind of already rooting for it. This turns Jenny against him. It was a little too violent, a little too real for their fantasy world. You killed him! (laughs) Uh-huh. I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of
1: fire. I went down, down. down. Uh, now, get up, mister! Don't ever live a uh, piece this- uh, Don't be in sucker, beat the living uh, shit out uh, of without like him a fair chance! You crazy fuck, what did you do that for? Doing what any man would do be if he'd been uh, offended by stomping your ass! Now get up, bitch! You fucking idiot, you don't even know what you're fighting for. No, that's what I'm fine for. Now, get up and drop some to where you lie! Tommy Tucker, you leave him alone! You stay away, Jenny. I am to mess him up bad, and there nothing for a little woman to don't see Don't be afraid
2: of him, now. I don't care what he does to you. We can still be together. Just
1: get away from me! Oh. No. No. no? What's this? Here, here, here. here. Give me that. Me- Mexico? Yeah, You think you can go to Mexico? Yeah, you won't ever have to see me again. That's me, some of you. Well, Jenny means something to me, shithead! Eh? Huh? Uh, what about that? Yeah! I'm gonna beat you so bad you ain't gonna be nothing but soup for the rest of your days. Rain gonna be pretty other than you when i done. I'm gonna beat you so bad I'm gonna make your mama sick! <laughs>
3: i oh, 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 yeah. yeah, Come on! Take oh, yeah. the you ah. Get over oh. oh. the Get oh. yeah, Get no. 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 no! Oh, Toby! Every time I to
1: defend you, I'm a baby. Oh, baby. on baby. bitch. baby. killed him. <laughs>
4: Now completely out of options, Bobby calls Grace. She's at home, but so is Jake, so obviously he knows she's not dead. That's an awkward pull in the driveway. Oh, honey, didn't expect to see you. So what have you been up to today? Bobby tells Grace that he wants to get out of there and take her with him. I think it's funny that he's trying to appeal to her by trying to sweep her up in the romance rather Mm -hmm. than... Look, I'm going to kill this fucking rapist monster guy in your life. He thinks like this is the right path. She's so fucking cold and jaded. I know. Like, all right, dude. You think that that 45 seconds I let you roll around on top of me is really winning me over? (laughs) (laughs) He tells her he doesn't care about the money. He just wants her, and there's only one way to do it. In other words, let's do the plan. Let's kill your husband. She tells him that after dark, she'll leave the back door unlocked. Then there's some more John Voight stuff. Not really sure any of it works. As we've alluded to, this movie's two hours and five minutes. It should be an hour and 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. The only payoff to that is that it's mildly amusing that at the very end they kind of insinuate he's not really blind and that his dead dog is suddenly alive, Yeah, which is weird. And it adds a little bit of a question mark if that's supposed to be supernatural or if it's just a parlor trick or what's going on or yeah. I don't know.
5: You could buy the parlor trick element
4: or anything. Well, I don't really know yeah. what they're trying to say <laughs> because all of the John Voight stuff is pretty pointless. Right. That night after dark Bobby creeps to the McKenna home mm-hmm. as Grace unlocks the door before getting fucked and he doesn't, by her husband.
5: Yeah. She's not affected by the fact that Bobby's horrible at this. <laughs> like, It's like she knows he's going to fuck this up.
4: Well, what other choice does she have? Yeah. I think a lot of times, because of the tradition and history of femme fatales, and then also because of some of the shitty things her character does in this movie, you can sort of lose track of who Grace really is. She is a victim of something beyond right. horrible that has completely warped and her entire her life. Whole life yeah but she's with it enough to know that there's one way out now because she's so beautiful and confident you tend to think that she's all together with it and that her plan is this master plan i think a lot of it is sort of fly by night yeah i'm going to latch on to a bunch well, of different people and thing. see what works
5: we're seeing one snippet of time mostly through bobby's perspective this is grace's life every day trying to some convince somebody to do
4: this like, yeah <laughs> yeah it, kind of yeah like how many virgil conversations well then done? you have jake fucking her from behind yeah. saying come home to daddy because uh-huh. you know daddy's the best that kind yeah, of stuff Yeah, things have
5: gotten really dark now
4: you've been a bad girl haven't you grace and then she has to like say the lines mm-hmm. oh please forgive me papa oh <laughs> Oh, no. As Bobby sneaks inside, Jake has some kind of a tearful breakdown while pounding away on Grace, where he seems to then confess, at least for the viewer's benefit, I think Grace probably already knows, to killing her mother. Not directly, but that seems to be what he's saying. Yeah. This comes after Jake has just finished telling her she's a bad girl for stealing him away from her mother and breaking her heart. Mm -hmm. This is their lovemaking. Yeah, it seems like a horror show. Jake is a complicated and fucked up man with a lot of demons. (laughs) I think so. This plays out very similar to Body Heat. It's almost a complete botch job by Bobby. Dude. I love that shot, even though I don't understand it, of... Bobby taking that one step up those stairs that we can't see and then backing right down with the gun in his face. I think it's really cool. That is true. I don't understand where Jake is coming from. That doesn't seem like a bedroom that seems like an attic. Right. But still, it looks really cool and it's memorable. The architecture of this house does seem unique. Jake is very weird too, though, because then he kisses Bobby on the mouth and says, now you've tasted both of us.
5: Yeah, I was thinking, what's that about?
4: Boredom has eaten yeah. everyone's brain in this town. <laughs>
5: They're all insane. Everyone wants a little drama.
4: With a gun in his face, Bobby very quickly turns on Grace. <laughs> spilling the beans about their entire plan, he's begging, offering to kill Grace for $200. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, Grace is actually secretly listening to the whole conversation. Jake is such a fucking idiot, too. That he actually goes along with this. This guy that was just sneaking in the house to kill him. Is he an idiot? And he actually has Bobby's gun, right? Yes. Which I've sort of left out of the notes. He had a gun in the trunk of his car, which Daryl stole, evidently, Mm -hmm. we find out. And then (laughs) sold to Jake, of all people. Although, when they encountered each other, when Bobby was riding with... Virgil, yeah, Jake does say I have to go out to see Daryl about something, mm-hmm. which is weird, because how could you even imagine? But he's obviously going out there, because right. he knows that's where Bobby's car yeah. is. And they probably opened the trunk together, uh-huh. and he was like, I'll give you right. whatever for this gun. Jake can't ignore his own greed and allows Bobby the chance to kill Grace, for this meager sum. However, Grace has already run back to the bedroom and grabbed a fucking tomahawk. (laughs) What? Yeah. We can't see what happens. We see Jake's reaction where he then has another meltdown believing his beloved wife is being murdered. I think she's been thinking about killing this guy for a long time, and when you find out the whole story, you can't really blame her. It sounds like a struggle between Bobby and Grace. Grace screaming, we don't really see it. Jake eventually comes running, but it's all a trap. Bobby plays dead. They get the jump on Jake, and it's eventually Grace who buries that tomahawk in his back, and then in his front, too, as Bobby holds him. In the immediate aftermath, it's total elation. They open the safe and discover around $200,000, even more than they were expecting. Bobby and Grace immediately fuck, Still splashed with Jake's blood inches from his fresh corpse, but of course, these two would-be criminal lovers don't actually trust each other at all. Bobby tries to fuck with Grace's Jeep so she can't ditch him while he goes to retrieve his car from Daryl. Great line. Oh, yeah. Hey, Daryl. Over 40,000 people die every day. How come you're not one of them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We should point out, because we didn't get into super big descriptions, these two almost swung weapons at each other the last time they saw each other. Then he has to come back and hand him $200. You have a
5: business (laughs) transaction with him.
4: When Bobby gets back, Grace has still managed to move the Jeep into the garage, and so he has a full meltdown, thinking she left.
5: (laughs) Throwing himself on the ground.
4: But she hasn't, right. and she does point out, I had trouble getting the Jeep started. I had to push it in the garage, and she knows. Yeah, They all know. Right. Bobby and Grace triumphantly hit the road, gleefully escaping the Superior Town limits.
5: But wait, there's more.
4: However, as they make their way out, the sheriff, fucking Virgil, Powers Booth of all people, mm-hmm. pulls them over. He approaches their car, gun already drawn, You just had to fuck him, didn't you? Baby, I would never do that to you.
5: (laughs) He turns on him immediately.
4: When you're watching this and you forget, or the first time you see it, you have to be in the same place as Bobby at this point. You're just screaming, Are you kidding me? Are you serious, Grace? What? Everyone in Superior? Is everyone in this horrible town taking crazy pills? What is happening? And then she starts babbling about Bobby killing Jake and threatening to kill her too. And then she has to add on top of that, but he never made me come. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Grace, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> Just an extra beatdown. <laughs> so it's revealed that Grace had a thing with Sheriff Virgil and they had big plans about the future too. Based on what he's saying, it sounds like she's got a repertoire of stories she tells to her various gentleman callers. However, and I think this is important to point out because it, they muddy the water here by having Virgil say that, I don't think that means the stories are untrue. Right. I think that she just knows how effective they can be to manipulate Agreed. Yeah. a man this into a move giving her use, what she yeah. wants. Because she probably spun that same story trying to get Virgil to kill... Yeah. Jake earlier and he wouldn't do it when Virgil starts to reveal the dark truth that Jake was actually Grace's biological father none of us are surprised and even insinuates heavily that she was more than a willing participant in her daddy's incestual lifestyle she shoots and kills the sheriff so now they've got two bodies to deal Uh with yes as you said it's not the most shocking revelation, I think, even as a teenager, it didn't blow me away because I felt yeah. like they'd already kind of half revealed they it. Were
5: really, a stat they were building that up.
4: Yeah, and based on that Oliver Stone quote I read at the beginning, he obviously thought this was some big taboo thing. But as we know from this podcast, yeah, incest in like comes movie. up a lot yeah. for some reason. <laughs> Have you ever had sexual relations with a member inside your family? <laughs> TNT answering those questions. (laughs) Oh, God. I thought it was really funny, too, once they load up Virgil's body into the car and Grace says, aren't you going to ask me? And Bobby says, ask you what? What kind of horrifying sick shit is coming next? (laughs) Finally, he's just saying it. During... The moments after they kill Virgil when clearly everyone's having a hard time reconciling what just happened and what the truth is about Grace's past and then everything else and the involvement with Virgil and then Jake and everything. We're seeing a lot of flashbacks to different things. Amongst these things that we're seeing quick flashes of is a topless scene of Jennifer Lopez, who, to my knowledge, has not really done any other nudity in her career. So It's well,
5: um, money train. There's a little brief scene, too.
4: Maybe. Yeah.
5: Or, or around the same time period.
4: So it stands out yeah. as one of those early nude scenes, which sometimes happens before an actress gets big. And I always remembered it and thought it was cool <laughs> because I'm me. And she was much more famous by the time I saw the movie. And yeah. it was exciting. Cut to me doing the research for this podcast and finding out that it was sort of a traumatic event where she was crying and not wanting to do it. And I didn't really know how to feel about that because I was sort of like, well, you agree to be in these movies, generally you know what's expected of you ahead of time, and it can be sort of frustrating to pull some sort of move where you agree to do something and then not do it, but you also want to be sensitive and understanding. But then I'm finding out that the scene was not originally in the script, and Oliver Stone added it and then insisted that she do it,
3: and then she did
4: do it, and you kind of just feel not great about it at no. that point. Although, in whatever interview this was, I think it was on Inside the Actor's Studio or something like that, way, way pre-Me Too, because obviously this did not get picked up into some big thing at the time. But still, 2007, I yeah. 10 years at least after the movie came out. She did sort of say that, in retrospect she felt like Oliver was right and that the scene was better because she was trying to talk him into doing a nightgown or some sort of covering or something. And he didn't want to, but yeah, it sort of sucked some of the fun out of the movie. Cause I was yeah. always like, Oh, there's like a really cool and unexpected topless scene. It Cause it's way wreck. at the end of yeah. the movie and they're not in the moment. It's right. a fucking flashback. So you're like really caught off. Guard. Yeah,
5: it is unexpected.
4: She does eventually break down and, I was fucking my daddy and I married him. I married him, okay? You do feel awful for her, but you cannot trust her at all, Totally, obviously. They drive through the night and the sun rises. They begin attempting to dump the bodies in the desert. They don't trust each other. They're fucking with each other a little bit. Grace more so than Bobby because she thinks she has the upper hand because she's currently holding the gun, the one that she used to kill Virgil. But eventually... Bobby elbows her to get his gun back. Her reaction is a little nuts. She does laugh maniacally. Oh, yeah. I think that the movie is insinuating that her mother was mentally ill and she might be too. But you're not really sure because she also says that her mother became an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But they do show her mother in the flashbacks cackling wildly several times. Yeah. She's and then this laugh... Sort of evil is sort of connected to that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she's supposed to be evil, but there's some weirdness. troubled. Troubled, yeah, okay. I think, is the word you're looking A for. A fair way of saying it. She's the victim of this horrible know, guy, right. Jake, but there was some troubled there's stuff going on. There's something scary about her in the past, though, in the flashbacks. Oh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. unnerving. A lot of those flashbacks and cuts are unnerving, because then it'll be like her laughing and looking crazy, but then being dead and fucked up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. Hey. Bobby says... They're going to finish dumping Jake, split the money equally, and then go their separate ways. She clearly doesn't like that. As they dump Jake's body, I do love that Nulty's eyes are open the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think that adds a whole weird, creepy vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. watching. Grace pushes Bobby over the cliff too, severely injuring him. But before she can make her getaway, she realizes that Bobby has the car keys. And Bobby's in rough shape down there, looking all fucked up. Teeth knocked out, face all bloody and cut up, broken leg, can barely move.
5: In rough shape.
4: Grace makes her way down the steep incline where she and Bobby fight, and in his weakened, injured state, Bobby manages to strangle Grace to death, but she also grabs the gun and shoots him in the stomach. Somehow, he makes the grueling journey back up the cliff. Crazy in the state that he's in with a broken leg amongst all the other injuries and the bullet wound. But when he starts his car, the fucking radiator hose bursts, the very same one that Daryl just replaced, and Bobby is stranded in the heat, obviously going to die out there alone as the other three bodies are already (laughs) in the fucking (laughs) canyon. I guess it's not really a canyon, but whatever that is. Not really a happy ending for anyone here. When Grace flashes back at the end of the film, we see lots of photographs of her as a child. These photographs are actually photos from Jennifer Lopez's private collections of herself. You can also see the vultures circling overhead. I'm sure they'd be interested in the bodies they just dumped, but I think the implication is they might be there for Bobby as well. And then even the closing credits are an enjoyable, trippy experience, really panning up. The helicopter shot from above that just sort of morphs into going over the entire terrain. Yeah. And you're still getting a lot of the jumps to random Native Americans, random things, lots of weird cuts, and the music's kind of cool and interesting.
5: Yeah. So we kind of finish out with even more experimental style
4: shots. Yeah, you really let that Native American subtext come through. As I said, it, it's a little bit of a, a through line with the doors from earlier in the same decade. Now, I did see in my research that supposedly John Ridley's book or the original story is based on a true story, oh. loosely, Okay, of a guy who drifted into town and then was never heard from again. Oh. That was really only the details I saw, so I don't know what this story was. I tried to Google it and couldn't come up with anything, so I don't know if that's actually true. That might be I something like that, that yeah. Yeah. John Ridley mentioned as an inspiration, but it's not right. really based on it per se what does the real town of superior think do they even care probably not this movie made no impact really and does not have much of a legacy i'm sure if anyone there watches it ever they probably think it's funny and it's probably like this is nothing like our town or it's exactly like our (laughs) town i don't know (laughs) i think that'll do it yeah it's a interesting chapter in stone's career which let's put all the cards on the table, got less and less and less relevant as the yeah, years like went on. Yeah, like following this, really. Well, Any Given Sunday was That's still true. kind of mage. Yeah. Some of his what, early two years after this, 2000 stuff still made a little ripple. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think Any Given Sunday was 99, maybe. I don't remember anyone really giving a shit about the movie W. No. And I watched Savages. I saw it in the theater. I think the best way to describe it is almost like a – an approximation yeah. of what this movie is. It's trying for that same trashy, sleazy crime fun. It opens, I think, with that threesome with Blake right. Lively and those two dudes. She delivers one of the most insane lines of dialogue that I think people have goofed on for years when she talks about he didn't have orgasms, he had wargasms or something oh, like boy. that. Remember that? Do yeah. you remember? Have you seen that movie? I have, yeah. Hoof. That's like a blood-chilling line where you're like... <laughs> Almost halfway down the steps leaving the theater after you're like, (laughs) What? (laughs) But it ended up being like not that bad. I think, isn't Travolta in it? There's people like really chewing scenery. Some of of Hayek's in it. It's a weird movie, but.
5: That Taylor Kitsch. I only saw it the one time and then never again.
4: Anyway, yeah. I wish that Oliver Stone would have done more movies like this, but obviously this didn't make any money so not really a su- big surprise kind of like a simple plan you mm-hmm. kind of wish sam raimi did that more but then it didn't make any money so, so it's like well that was the end of that i guess he'll just make oz the great and terrible or whatever the fuck that garbage was Well,
5: i don't know that that made much money either what are you doing
2: what
4: what vincent stopped making pics
0: <laughs> well how am i gonna know what movies to see
4: we have a wide variety of
1: gene picks. Gene's trash.
5: I'm Gene. I did see Wes Anderson's new movie, Asteroid City. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Well, I find myself now when I see his movies just thinking like, what's it like for someone to go into these movies with no history of this director? You got to get past what the aesthetic is going to be with all the twee shit. Yeah. Like if you already know that that's just like the way it is and you're cool with it, and that's well, fine. It doesn't really That's take true,
4: but that you could say that with pretty much a lot of his movies, it's like the first time you experience it, it's like the first time you experienced anything new. Yeah. Some people are gonna react positively right. and some people are gonna react negatively.
5: But for those of us that have gone through the whole career The evolution. See, yeah, you see it's been a little bit more of a softer transition, but so no real surprises there from the aesthetic standpoint. But I did find myself just having a little more fun with it. The whole movie felt like it had a very loose feel where, like, both the actors and Wes Anderson were kind of a little bit. Just have some fun with it.
4: No script. Yeah. <laughs> Terrence Malick. Eh, not
5: quite Terrence Malick, but it, I don't know. It just felt a little bit more loose and fun. I didn't walk away feeling like all that heavy, like, you know, maybe you feel by the end of a Grand Budapest hotel. So right. that was, it wasn't really hitting quite on that level though there's a little something to it but yeah i enjoyed it i liked it quite a bit and i I want to see it again
4: yeah i'll have to check it out it does sort of speak to where i'm at both in terms of just seeing any movie in the theater but also where i'm at with wes anderson where it's not even registering with me right although it was kind of like that with the french dispatch as well french
5: dispatch there was times where i was like this doesn't have me
4: no i mean prior to seeing it just the interest level of even going but That was still in the window of kind of coming out of COVID, so you can kind of chalk it up to that. Now, we're pretty much back to normal, and I still can't be bothered. Yeah. I think that's more to do with me in any Uh, movie, though, not just with Wes.
5: Well, that's true, too. I guess, I don't know. I want to watch it again, whether it's soon or down the line, to get more of a feel for it. But I can say, at least initial reaction, it's the most I've liked one of his movies since Grand Budapest Hotel. So, I know it's only three, but...
4: Now, what would you say to the people who have been commenting on Scarlett Johansson's full frontal nudity in Asteroid City and also Jennifer Lawrence's full frontal nudity in her new comedy, which seems insane based on the things I've seen on Reddit, at least? Yeah. Those people who have been saying... One Trashy Summer has influenced the world. We've brought Trashy back. Actresses doing full frontal nudities back on the table. Well, I think
5: there was a noticeable void for us as a culture, and there (laughs) needed to be a little bit of a a comeback.
4: We've led the charge. Yeah. I'm sure there's at least one listener right now who heard me just mention those two nude scenes whose head exploded (laughs) and just is like, wait, what is happening (laughs) in the theater right now? They're desperate for us to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that's cool. Matt running off to the movies now all the time without me, making Indiana Jones plans without me. Really an infuriating well, couple of minutes. Mom.
1: That's important.
4: Anyway, let's get to this email. All
1: right. All right. All right. You go ahead. You go ahead. You keep it secret. But you remember
0: this when you control the mail, you control information.
4: Today's email comes from Moondoggy. That's his email. I don't know his real name. Probably better to use a pseudonym. Nice and quick, but it'll serve as a reminder for everyone. Moondoggy writes, I just love this show. Can you remind me how to contribute? I've already answered Moondoggy directly, but I will do my best for anyone who is a little unclear on that. We initially set up Cash App. That was to accept payments for listener requests and then also any kind of donations and whatnot. There is a little logo a little icon on our twitter bio that's where you would go you click on it it looks like a dollar bill kind of i did have some more communication with moondoggy it didn't look like it was appearing for him i don't know if that was just the desktop site and maybe it's fine in the app i don't really know it looks like i can see it on my end so hard to
5: coordinate this shit huh?
4: i know some people have used it but i don't know so if you're having difficulty we do have options for venmo and paypal Whether you want to make just a one-time donation, if you would like to purchase a listener request, whatever you want to do, reach out and let us know. We're going to keep the PayPal and Venmo private. We're not going to publicize it, but we can work with you if you reach out directly, whatever you need to do. We're always happy to hear from anyone. We don't really require any money, but of course, every little bit would help. If you'd like to buy a listener request, we can work that out or just whatever you want to do. So thanks to Moondoggy. If you have an email that you would like us to read on the show, or if you just have any other questions, comments, concerns, greatestpod at gmail.com. Greatestpod at gmail.com. I'd
5: rather hear the questions than the concerns.
4: We haven't had a lot of concerns Keep the concerns to yourself. (laughs) I know. I think we're going to skip physical media spotlight, even though, as I was explaining to Matt... We could do it. I could do a physical media spotlight every day. (laughs) For
5: the rest of our lives.
4: I get deliveries constantly, including several things today. But I don't know how interesting they are to everyone. You
5: could buy nothing else, and you could do one every day for the rest of our lives.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm not planning on living that much longer, (laughs) so yes. Anyway, we'll skip over that, but we will bring it back. I know some people have been digging the blu-ray talk so we'll 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 still do it we're just skipping it this week keep it short next week we will return with the regularly scheduled program we're gonna try to slow it down a little bit it probably won't even be that noticeable but we're gonna get back on schedule listener request coming up next week if you have your own reach out on twitter at greatest pod or email greatestpod at gmail.com make sure you're subscribed please give us a rating and review on apple podcasts please tell your friends family, whoever, general cool people you know about the show. Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983 and Matt Crosby. If you follow us from the show and would like us to follow you back, just make sure we're aware either through a comment on one of our reviews or hit us up on Twitter or whatever. Just let us know. We'll follow you back. Thank you so much for listening. If you had a hard time with One Trashy Summer, Mm -hmm. it's over.
3: You're cheating will make you weep you cry and cry and try to sleep but sleep won't come the whole is talking at me
5: I can't hear a word they're saying just driving around in John Boyd's car